Hey, I'm Will Pfeiffer, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Conference. <laughs> That was splendid. <laughs> Sucking out the helium. I think it was pretty splendid, yeah. Works for me. I don't want you running for the hills when you're doing the woohoo. You gotta just do it. We've got you oh, if I was over. just doing it, no, I just, I'm not, it, it's, I'm not so much worried about him. I'm worried about peeking your little meter. Why is my meter gotta be little? What if it's a big ass meter? You don't know. Is it a big ass meter? No, it's a little. <laughs> I know you, I but it's know. clean. It's a little meter, well, but good. it's very clean. Yeah. I had a beautiful time today. It was it was a great day, one of the best in a long time because one, it wasn't hot. The weather was gorgeous. Two, it wasn't humid. There was a nice breeze. Yep. It was it was a very pleasant, enjoyable day. Agreed. Great. Yeah. Yes. How was your daughter's birthday? Oh, she had a blast. Took her out to for some Italian. It was great. Nice. She, she, she got the oh, oh, she she got the stretch. She got some. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Let's roll it back. What do you mean she got the stretch? Stretch soup. It's with the egg and the spinach and the. It's called stretch. Okay. It it is, and uh, I got some peppers stuffed with grilled chicken over poutine, or sorry, polenta. I was going to say poutine. <laughs> no. I was thinking I was Chris. A Quebecian Italian? No, I thought it was Chris. Over over polenta, it was amazing. I'm not one for food, you know, but that was really no. good. It was very good. Very good. And Vinny got chicken parmesan. That's like nice. his. That's like his go-to. That's his go-to. Yeah. <laughs> and we're your go-to because you know what? This is eleven o'clock comics. Must be a short intro song this today. Uh, I actually don't remember what it was. Um, wow. This is ele- introductus interruptus eleven <laughs> o'clock comics episode four hundred ninety-seven. Yo. Yo yo. Second yo. this week, and I am Vince B. Oh, I'm so glad to hear your voice, Vince B. I'm David A. Price. It's been so long, right? Ages. Yes, you are, and I'm George Hathaway. <laughs> why is he? Wait. <laughs> why, why is he British? Yeah, right? Isn't he British? No. no. <laughs> uh, let's roll it back. I'm George Hathaway. <laughs> He's not... <laughs> you know, I did initially... I have to confess, initially... Hey, I'm I- over. Hey, Hathaway. I did get the impression that he could have been British. Which is why he loved the American flag so much? No, he Dude. doesn't love the flag. Like he you can't, you can't be born in Britain and then love our country? What are you saying? Racist. Right. Uh, I guess I'll just go run around with a profile. But right no, here. no. You are not pining for the DeFabio. You <laughs> are Jason Wood. Awesome. In the house. And you don't have to die of probably cancer to get discounted comics. There's a furious secondhand fucking smoke all those Yeah, years. really. 
discounted comic books and collectibles, all you have to do is go to DCBService.com. D-C-B, as in boy, service.com, all one word, and you will reap the rewards of massive discounts. Uh, Unfortunately, the window has closed. And uh, the specials that I've been announcing for the past uh, whatever weeks are um, the sun is setting on those. Uh, but if you were paying attention, you could have had the Gravediggers Union from Image, number one, for $1.99. Kong on the Planet of the Apes, number one, from Boom, for $1.99. Now, take uh, note, these are three ninety nine books, so that's a half off for you. And I just wanted to say this again. Minky Woodcock, the girl who handcuffed mm-hmm. Houdini, number one, for $2.19. The cover price is three ninety nine. That's 45% off. See? That is show and tell. I show you and tell you that you can get massive discounts on these books if you go to Discount Comic Book Service. It's very simple. And you should go there if you don't already. Why spend more than you have to? DCBService.com. That's all I got. She got some. <laughs> hmm? we, we heard a woman. In the background, yeah, the, I think the, I think the uh, Doge tripped coming up the stairs. Aw, my kids say Doge too. That is so weird. Mm. Where does that come from? I don't know. There's two it's things. They ca- oh, is it? Yeah, they call it a Doge, or they'll call it a doggo. Same thing. Uh, yeah, also from what? Me. What is going on? I'm I'm so what? out of the loop. You are. Well, they probably think it's dog in Spanish. Maybe. Like, like, mm-hmm. I have some liquid refreshment in my hand. Oh, well, some, please. Some, some, some liquid refi- refreshment or some li- liquid? No, it is yeah. the, sp- it, like the, the spice must flow, and flow it does, into my glass. It is called the Diet Pepsi. It's an exotic drink. Wait a minute. What? Wait a second. I, I thought we were starting a new trend this past Tuesday. I need to be lucid for this talk. So, oh, okay. I do. I do. And um, when I get lazy. When I get happy, so I I, I get lost in your eyes. That's not true at all because you do not get tired when we're at a convention, and I sure should know you're happy then. Well, when when chemicals make me happy, I get lazy. Okay, okay. Mm. So I am Fair happy point. at a convention. I'm going to be even happier. At New York than I've been. I will be more happy at New York this year than I have ever been happy at New York in the past. I think Heroes busted something in me. It did, man. It did, <laughs> man. It called you out. Guts. Yeah. Yeah, it said this is what you like. Yeah. I think so. Mm-hmm. I, I was at peace instead of being um, claustrophobic and... and, and yeah, no, yeah. claustrophobic's a good word. I like that. Yeah. You're, you realize that New York's going to have 180,000 people there, though, right? I do, but I can make them go away very easily with the power of my brain. My brain. What about yes. my balls? I, I'm... That's always... I'm not rock. rude, so I wouldn't the, say that. The, <laughs> the last time... <laughs> See, I mean, not the C2E, C2E2 can be crowded, but when you when, when your main con is usually New York and you go from one year to the next, I, I, I can, it's not a rut, but I can, I can see why you would think a certain way about it, Vince. And then, yes, having heroes in between the two 
Um, it's a bit of a palate cleanser. It, it really uh, kind of resets you and, and, and does like a little con reboot. So it, I definitely agree with you. And it gets yeah. you in the mood. Hero, Heroes was the pocket universe in which the language of Zen is spoken. And it just, it just, it scrubbed me clean of all the bullshit. So lovely. Yeah. So um, I'm going to really enjoy myself. And uh, gonna, at, we are going to enjoy ourselves. Well, yeah, at your expense. <laughs> so yes, well, I, 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 I would like to hear what Jason is drinking. Yeah, me too. I'm going to tell you as I get ready to unveil it right here. Hold on. Well, if you're if you're Hatherly, you're probably sucking down some chemo. Uh, that's not chemo. <laughs> Dude, talk about leading, uh, burying the lead. Uh, no, I'm drinking La Cerveza Mas Fina. Wow. Corona Extra. You, you must have bought about 12 cases of that stuff. I know. Yeah. By the way, Colin dropped accidentally, knocked over a six-pack of the IPA, Vince. I told him he oh. owes you a six-pack. No, dude, no. Don't make him feel bad for inconsequential stuff. Oh, no. It's your fault. It's his fault. Come he ruined on. your he ruined your weekend. He did oh that. shit. <laughs> Damn. You ruined my life. <laughs> Dap, what are you chugging on? Uh I decided to go with something a little fitting for this evening. Uh and it is uh it is a blend of straight bourbon whiskeys. It mm-hmm. is High West Whiskey, American Prairie Bourbon. Um it is uh Sharp, I guess, could be a, a a good word. It's not the usual smoothness that I kind of get with 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 Bullet or uh, even Buffalo Trace or Vince's favorite Knob Creek. But he loves the Knob. That's true. <laughs> I do love the Knob. So, Ooh, uh, but baby, this is, uh, a blend of straight bourbons, at least two years old, and uh, it, <laughs> it's 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 good. And uh, considering considering what the hero of our story is uh, sipping on quite a bit as he tells this this story spanning over 30 years it's um i felt it fitting it is i agree all right if we have no thank yous we best get into this because this is a long storyline there there are interconnected arcs but it's a 13 issue run so and we we gots to cover gots to do diligence on this because it's a phenomenal story it's not an enjoyable story that's not it, true it, it, you okay it's not uh, a happy story it's not a happy story it is it is I story. agree with that it's very enjoyable oh it's not enjoyable at all it's it's gut wrenching no, it it's gut wrenching that it doesn't is. mean it can't be enjoyable that's, though right it's, yeah, it's, it's, it 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 it's it's a mirror. It holds up a mirror and it shows all of the bullshit this country has endured for decades. Yes. Yes, it is. And Precisely, this, which well, is enjoyable. It, it, okay, I guess we have different definitions of the word enjoyable, but I, I'm. it's not painful. It's a well-told, well-crafted story with phenomenal art, but it is, for me, it's very hard to read. Mm, well, this, if you don't know is Fury Max, My War Gone By, written by Garth Ennis, art, beautiful art, by Goran Parlov, and colors by Lee Lowridge. And uh, it is 
It was originally a 13-issue maxi-series, uh, collected, I believe, in, in two trades or one hardcover. Uh, it was originally published, I wish I could tell you off the top of my head. Um, 13 came out in 2013. Okay, so... Uh, Started so, in 12, I think, because yeah. some of the cover arts at 12. Um, and I wasn't sure if the digital version... Um, if, once it was reprinted for, for digital, if they just changed the copyright date. But yes, okay, so 2012, 2013. Uh, story starts in 1954. And the, the bulk... Of the, the first 12 issues uh, cover 30 years with the last issue... Uh, bringing us to 1999 but right. it is it, it pretty much focuses on three people closely connected to nick fury during these years and right. during these decades uh and now, and now set it up all, all nice and proper did before before we did we are we are we jumping ahead here and not reminding people that this is the book of the month episode he, he said book of the month Oh, you did. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Yeah, it's yeah. all good. No, it is. It is. Yeah. The, it's it's the book of the month voted on. Got it. Okay. By so. our fabulous patrons. They are fabulous. Uh, it was. It was the. It very close. It was. It was a very tight neck and neck race this month. Uh, but uh, much to Vince's happiness, we are talking. Well, I don't know. See, it, considering what we could have been talking about, Vince. Oh, you're Carlos right. Man, kill son. Yeah, yeah. So that would have uh, been a slog. I heard. So, dude, I don't understand that. That's such a good. That is such a good story. That's an uncomfortable story, but it is still. It, it, it's still, it's a, still enjoyable. A story. Yes. Okay. By the well, way, I just looked up the definition of enjoyable, and I think I may have to switch to Vince's side. Well, the well, well, what what is the definition of enjoyable? It's an adjective of an activity or occasion giving delight or pleasure. Mm. Well, if you have some sadistic pleasure in watching yeah. all sorts of people get blown to kibitz, then maybe it is enjoyable, but it's cathartic. It it definitely um it's satisfying. It's it it pops a really nasty pimple on the ass of America, but a bunch of pimples, but it's 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 like holding someone's back of someone's head and making them face the horrors that they don't want to relive. I mean, it's, 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 it's visceral. It's, 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 it's a sad, sad story. Um, but as, as Dap was saying that we, it does center on uh, a revolve around three characters, but when the book opens, it's the, the entire 13 issues is built around a framing sequence. Um, a grizzled, older i don't want to say old because he's not at least he's never really young he, in this book right at least visually he's he's not decrepit but he is in nick fury terms creeping up in age as the book opens and he's in a he's holed up in a hotel room with a reel-to-reel tape player recorder and he's monologuing he's reliving the events that we will read um and he's got a bunch of whores coming in every so often. He's still got it. But um, he's seen a lot of horror at this point. And um, he's lost a lot of people very near and dear to him. And he's qu- I think Nick is questioning his own existence in the beginning of the book. Uh, what was it all for? Did I make a difference? Did I matter? 
was my life a joke? You know, and and he's drinking a lot. He's hitting the bottle, the sauce. And uh, he is the narrator of this 13-issue series. So we get it begins and ends from that perspective of Nick in a hotel room reliving past events. Now we can shimmy into the the meat of this uh this these tales anyway well let's let's start what what you've you've given a little bit of an indication but what um did you remember this did you read it off the shelves when it came out no i did not this is the first time i read it really yeah wow. yeah when you guys said fury max i was thinking of the garth ennis Derek um robertson oh the robertson yeah oh okay that's why i said you're the best, Mr. Fury. Watch out for that tiger. Um, because that's that's the Fury Max I remembered. Mm-hmm. I, this is did, all new did, to me. Did we talk about this when it came out on the show? I don't remember. I don't believe we kind of went into it. You may have... Um, you have the hardcover? Mm-hmm. You may have talked about that after receiving it. Um, yeah. I don't think it wasn't in your travels or anything, but I don't... Uh, we... I have um there's a special place in in my heart for um for any of the Garth Max books uh specifically Punisher but this is very much uh in that vein so once I once I knew this was happening uh I was all over it I I was buying it in singles if I can find the hardcover next weekend I will Oh I'm with you I I want this book on my shelf. Yeah. So so let's 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 keep it that because before we get into the plot, I think Garth Ennis has to me this is the there are two things I think Ennis is excellent at, and I think this is uh, a near perfect overlap of those two concentric circles. He's excellent at 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 war stories. He loves the history of war. Um, He's very much a historian in that regard. And I think he is excellent at telling stories about um, the hard living heroes. Right. right. Uh, Punisher, probably most notably, but but uh, but in this case, uh, Fury and and a little bit of the Punisher. But I, I so I think that this is a perfect. This is his wheelhouse if there is one. Right, um, but you know, in the spirit of those great, um, our army at war and GI combat, those great stories by. Bob Kaniger, mm-hmm. this is not a book that glorifies war. I would even, no, no. I would even hesitate to call it a war story. War is a principal player in this book, but this is not a book about war. This is a book about one man's struggle. In, in, right, but what I'm saying is Ennis is always that. But he, when I say he's a war, he Ennis wrote what is it? The Battlefield series. He's done a bunch right. of those. Oh yeah, he, he doesn't glorify. He doesn't glorify war. No, I he does. He's very good no, at showing no, the no. human side of war. Yeah. yeah, and all the best war um, writers do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and and at the top of that list is Bob Kaniger, right? And and Joe Kubert, and you know, of that ilk, they 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 focus on the human element. Not on oh geez, isn't this tank cool? And watch how many people we can blow up with it. I mean, there mm-hmm. are books like that out there, but this is not that. This is a very, very. I think it's a very heartfelt book. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'll be honest with you. The, the last issue tore me up. Yeah, 
It's, right, right. Last issue is very, very hard. It's a different kind of difficult read than the majority of the series. But the last issue, he 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 pulls you into this narrative, and and Fury's the hook. We all know Nick Fury. Um, he's been in the Marvel universe forever. Uh, he's he's someone we identify with, and this is the soldier Nick Fury. This is not the the master planner from the Ultimates, Nick Fury. No, no, no. For those you know who who may may not be may not know what you know who the the, the star of this book is. It's right. not the Nick Fury you know. If this you is are Alan Commando's Nick Fury. Yes, yeah. This is the old soldier, and right. um, Ennis pulls you into this narrative, and makes you feel about various ways about certain characters, and then in the end, he bends you over, and and you know you you take it screaming because it's 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 hard to see what happens to these characters but it's it's um and i don't want to throw the word around but it's it's realistic in that sense it's not a disney story it's not it's it's you're not i mean if you were looking for some some sort of happy ending if you were looking for something that made you put your faith back in humanity you're not going to get it into everything everything from start to finish is hard hitting and and it's not a uh it's not a story that you can kind of just read and shrug off or read and go okay i got a couple minutes to you know let me let me read an issue with this it's not it's it's it doesn't it doesn't require a lot of um heavy lifting like some stories might but it's still it's still a rewarding story it's still something that if um it's not a story where you have to pay attention because there's clues. It's, it's, it's straightforward, but you just, you you have to just kind of let it in. It's, it's, it's not a, uh, if you're used to the Punisher, you're kind of getting that it's, it's definitely fitting for, for the max line. Uh, it's even without the, the tits and ass and and the screwing it there's still there's still enough here where it's it's definitely not for children mm-hmm. but uh it is it's it's probably and I, I was going to ask this to you guys later uh it's probably the the nick fury story for me and it's it's weird because it's you know i i'm sitting underneath Starenko's Nick Fury agent of shield. I know that this is the Nick Fury that, that gave Thor a pair of glasses to turn him into cigar. Olsen. this is that this is, he can exist in both places. Just like obviously the Punisher has with, with the max line, but where I, I think we DC does better in some regards, but, but I think like there are some characters that have that, their definitive story. We, we, we got it recently with Tom's vision series. We've, we've got it with, with Miller's daredevil. We've, we've gotten stories where that is that character's story. And, and for me, hands down, this is Nick Fury's. It may just be because it's so fresh in my mind, but I mean, I do love Nick Fury versus shield. That's a great same, story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, same. There's and nothing wrong and, with that, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not about to say that this is a better crafted story than that. It's a different 
story. I mean, yes, exactly. the, 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 the previous one is steeped in the Marvel Universe. This is, for all, uh, INP, is removed from the Marvel Universe. I mean, there's nobody else in here. That's not true. No, there's there there's one character Punisher and Barracuda. Well, well, no, well, that's what. I, but that's within the Max universe. And I'm talking about Frank the Castle. That's and and that's that. I'll I'll split hairs with that. That that's Frank Castle before pre Punisher and Barracuda's only in it. You only know Barracuda because he showed up in the Punisher before this. But uh, but so yeah, I mean Jason's yes, he's correct. There's there's. There's a little bit of Marvel Universe seeping in, but it's not anything close to... If if you're just reading this, you wouldn't need to know that Frank Castle becomes the Punisher. You may never... Right. Well, well, yeah, it, it doesn't to Vince's matter. Point, to Vince's point, there's no hint that this world has superpowers. No, exactly. No, not at all. Not at all. And, right. and you know, um, credit to Ennis. I think this, it, it's, it made me love his work even more when I came out of this and I thought about it a little while and I, and I'm, I came to the conclusion that the strongest character in this book is not the title character. No. In, in fact, Fury's, he's pretty, he's pretty human. He's pretty weak in this book. There, there's one character that realizes that what's being done is, is, I don't want to say gender is not for them and they just stop. They mm-hmm. see, they cease to yep. do what they've always done. Fury doesn't do that. He, no. he, he's, he's an old war dog. He needs, he needs, there's the no heat. off switch, right? He needs the heat of the battle. It's he's, a, yeah. well, he's almost addicted to it. Well, he is, but he follows orders and he is absolutely addicted to conflict. Yes. He has to and, and this one character just says, you know what? I can't. I can't. I, well, I can. It's, I cannot. It's the character it. I introduced myself as. I, well, I know, but I didn't want to. Yeah. And, but the character, well, why, I mean, why are you trying to hide that? We're because we get to that, right? Okay. But, but I say, yeah, Hatherley. Hatherley's an amazing character because uh, the 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 deal with Castro scars him so much that he just can't do it. He can't do it anymore, and that's that's where Frank Castle enters the picture. Um, and, and it's, it would be easy to say, um, oh, I'm gonna get back up right on the horse because, you know, I, I screwed up here and I want to do right. And he's just like, no, wait a minute. This is wrong. I, I'm killing and, and, and interrupting the, the status quo of all these little countries. And, and, and I'll, I'll get to what I think this book is really about at the end is, is not what we should be doing. Or what I should be doing, and so he just pulls out, and it's he doesn't pull out completely because I think he he has a, a bond with Fury more than Fury has a bond with him, mm-hmm. at, at least oh. more than Fury will admit. Okay, right. But the thing is, he yes, he he's even if he's not going to be in the role that Fury was used to having. Hatherly in, uh, he's still, he's still, kind of his his right hand man. He's 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 his guy Friday. But it's when when George realizes that something is amiss, he does offer to uh, he 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 tells Fury he's got his back. But um, 
Fury declines that by saying that by reminding Hatherly that uh, 15 years ago you told me you, your heart wasn't in it. So uh, to which you know, but he's mean uh, when he says it. Fury's because mean. he has to be. Because no, he's not, but no. what he says is he said you told me 15 years ago you didn't have the the strength. Or you see, he's, yeah, he either yeah, says I, the strength or the courage, and he has more strength and courage than Fury because he doesn't give in to the easy he he doesn't take the easy road and just keep doing what he's always been doing he 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 levels up and says this is well, not what I should be doing because he's got he's, he's got a tether there's there's he's got a he's got a lifeline he's got six lifelines he's got a wife and children that that right. he's got to be there for so he's he's got things that that Fury doesn't so that's that's where his strength comes from that's what he's that's what he needs to stay alive for and and he may he may think He's got Fury's back, and 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 he and 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 Fury can take on Barracuda and bring them down, but that's not something Fury can risk. And if 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 there's any indication at all that Heatherly has doubts, second thoughts about backing that play, it's it could be disastrous for for Nick. So and, so you're so. saying that. Fury is is putting on the Nick Low hat and he's being a little cruel to be kind because yes. he does have concerns for Hatherly and he's being a douche in order to keep him out of the thick of things and where he could get hurt. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. But I I I, I initially uh perceived it as Fury just being a dickhead and telling him, you know, you didn't have the strength or well, the courage. He's so good he, at doing that. And yeah, of course. Absolutely. Of course so he is. Because even then, I, Fury could have um, could have gone in there guns blazing, and and tried to take down as many as he could. But Barracuda had Hatherly, and Nick's not going to risk him getting killed in the crossfire. So, yeah. uh, you know, it all it all. But I mean, we we are definitely jumping around a bit i don't know if we want to go play by play if we just want to hit the highlights but um, i i having i read it when it came out jason read the collection this is vince's first time so i i would i like i said this is that that whole garth taking on that little corner of the movie that is that that is an apple of my eye so i mean i i <laughs> very very few bad thoughts or, or words to say about it so i i, I want to hear you guys go there, there's also, so okay. no i was uh, there's so many she got she, instances where if you remember friends the whole she got off the plane there's so many she got off the plane moments in this where she doesn't get off the plane yeah there there, there are many opportunities to make it all sparkly and shiny and happy and ennis ennis takes none of them Oh, no. He takes no opportunity. Right. Every, she never gets off the plane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just like, I'm waiting for it at the end. Like, oh, please, come on. Just one tiny little nugget. It, it never happens. Never. Yeah. No, what I was just going to say is that uh, this is actually the third Fury series that Ennis wrote in the in the, the chronology Um the series you thought it was Vince, the Fury, the Fury series was the original, mm-hmm. and then Peacemaker came out in '06, and that was a prequel to the Fury series, and then this mm-hmm. is the sequel to the Fury series. 
But they all, they're, they're all, all three of those series are meant to be within the same continuity of this particular version of Fury. Well, maybe we'll get an right. omnibus. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I know that um, the Peacemaker series was Marvel Knights, and the other two were were were, for, were Max. So um, I remember Peacemaker as not being anywhere nearly as graphic. Right. Yeah, totally. It's a little different. But well, yeah. I'm, for my money, if you lay them all out side by side by side, this is definitely the best of the three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. It's also the only one drawn by Born Parloff. The other two are drawn by Derek. Right. All right. Let's set up the uh, the first arc. Uh, yeah. As uh, David said, it begins in '54 in French Indochina, and the uh, the French are having a hard time. Um, keeping hold of the place, and it's widely thought that if if the French, uh, if their grip on the on the region slips, um, communism is going to spread from into China to Laos to uh, Cambodia, and um, Fury and Hatherley, the CIA, CIA man, are brought in to uh, observe, but not really help all that much because um there's a, a bottleneck the the french are very very short on weapons and ammunition and uh men too because uh, fighting for the french are a bunch of uh, locals uh indigenous peoples have uh joined some have joined the the fight for the french and and uh that that's really where it opens, and and we we are introduced to George Hatherley, who's uh, Fury's right hand man, and um, there are musings on the American flag and what it means that you don't learn until the very last issue. So I thought that was extremely uh, sharp on Ennis's part to show the gun in the first panel, and yep. that that sucker goes off in the last issue. It's great. Um, and kudos to, to Parla for not just photostatting the first issues panels on the last because he it oh, was no, redrawn right. was, it was and it's and there's slight differences but I love the hell out of that. Oh, and while we're at it, kudos to Parla for not photostatting a uh, architecture which he could have done. Oh, you've, yeah. you've seen it done many times. Oh, look, it's a it's a you know a, a well. Uh, a commonly known city street and we'll just take a little stat of it and, and paste it in. No, everything is drawn. It's gorgeous. Um, uh, to make matters even worse, the French, uh, command base is positioned in a horrible spot instead of, uh, the Which high. So typical of, of our entire time in Vietnam. Right. Exactly. In, instead of the high ground, somebody pointed and it's stated in the book this way somebody's pointed to a map and said well how about here and it's actually a low point surrounded by hills so it's a very hard position to defend um and they don't have a whole lot of weapons and 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 they also have um an ex-nazi uh yeah in in among their their troops uh sergeant chief steinhoff He's um, a Nazi soldier who, uh, for lack of any other kinds of opportunity, joined the French Foreign Legion. So now he he fights for the French. But uh, he's extremely good at what he does. 
Fury yep. even Fury even picks up on it. He's like, you know, this guy's a scumbag, but damn. You know, he, he yeah. can fight, he can exactly. he, he can kill. Uh, so, well, I mean, he was trained by some of the best. So, um, Well, you, and it gets back to what you were just alluding to in terms of the, the, the character of the man. Uh, Fury acknowledges that he's the enemy in, a, in some circumstances, but, but overriding that is the fact that he's a good soldier. And right. he understands that a soldier needs to be a soldier. And so um, he'd rather have him as an asset than... Yeah, than, when right. the time comes, you, you need that on your side, no yeah. matter... What went on in the past? Right. Whereas his homeboy's like, "Fuck that, the dude's yeah, a Nazi." Yeah. Well, that yeah. sets up a whole. I'm um, uh, <laughs> with uh, Hatherly on that. Yeah, a whole another thing. Same. Same. <laughs> yeah, Hatherly. Uh, Steinhoff remarks that um, you know you guys don't know how it was. He's talking about Auschwitz and and gas chambers. He goes, "There was none of and that." And being happy about it. Yeah, because it was his job. Now he's like, "There's none of that where I was." He said, "We just had the kikes dig dig a hole, and we just shot yeah. people and put it yeah. in and yeah. throw them." And that's when Hatherley goes off the deep end, and uh, Fury and Hatherley leave the region, but Hatherley goes back to kick the shit out of Steinhoff, <laughs> and that's <laughs> that's Hatherley's undoing because good luck with that. Yeah. yeah, he he doesn't. I mean, even... We've got some skills that we didn't see in the first issue. Well, he's a CIA had. operative, so he. I mean, presumably he has some skills, but <laughs> well, he can sneak they, up on you. But it's <laughs> they didn't. They they didn't they didn't pay the bills because Hatherley goes back to Hanoi to give Steinhoff what for, and the German beats the shit out of him. Yeah, and gets that ass whipped. So, um, uh. Shirley DeFabio, and we haven't touched on Shirley and, and M- M- McCluskey yet, but we will. Uh, Shirley, um, who is Congressman McCluskey's secretary, and she's very tight with um, his sex, his sex secretary. Yeah, yeah, but she she does not have um, sex with McCluskey. He uh, found her uh, in Chicago. And said that a woman as attractive as she, who could also do stenography, is was too good to to languish on the streets of Chicago. So she may he made her his secretary. Um, he had an ulterior motive. The woman is gorgeous, mm-hmm. uh, and immediately takes a shine to Mister Fury. And they do what two people who take a shine to each other do. They they bonk like bunnies and it's good for both of them. Like they're both into it and she gives him what for, and he gives her what for. And I think he puts it on her. I think she's tailor made for him. Oh yeah, of course. Like, like that could be, that could have been, could have been the, the, one. Lo- the, the one, the love yeah. of Nick Fury's life. But I mean, he, um, I mean, listen, if she puts, she puts, she puts the stank on it. I mean, she definitely works him over. Oh, yes. sure. But, um, there's also, a perceptible attraction between Shirley and Hatherley. More, 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 more towards his side. But when she meets him, she's very curious about him. I know she likes to gather information and, and she likes to have all her ducks in a row and know where everybody stands. But when, when Hatherley and DeFabio first meet, she asks a lot of questions about him. She, she yeah. even points him. Like when Nick Fury's in the room, and there's a woman there. You mean to tell me that the woman is not entirely focused on Nick Fury at the expense of everyone else? She well, now that that's she, an interesting observation because I was going to ask: Haven't you met or know known women in your life that are like Shirley? Meaning, 
Meaning someone that is incredibly outgoing and makes every man that's around her feel like they could have her. But she doesn't do that. N- no, that's that's not what I said. <laughs> She's the kind of woman that is so confident and able to handle herself that she makes every man around her think they can have her. But that doesn't mean she lets them have her. Well, she's so she's so captivating. Yeah, she that is. Every man that she's around because she shows interest in them and she asks them questions and she looks them in the eye and she's slightly flirtatious. Every guy, because we're guys, think, "Oh, I could have that." But, but she the reality no, is, most people couldn't have it. But no, that, no, but, no. That you, but she she emboldens you into, into thinking that she's that 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 she's into you. Yeah, see, that's right. not it's, entirely true because because when Tam the comes on to her and he's like, "Ah, oh, you wee lassie," and 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 she doesn't have any. Any nah, time for him at all? Point. You're missing the point. No, I'm not <laughs> missing the point. <laughs> she, no, you are. You're, I'm talking about the kind of woman that's in control of situation, and she she's is. Not, she she doesn't want that guy to make to, to feel like he, she can have her because she's not interested. I'm talking about I'm, guys that she takes an interest in. She makes you feel like you're at your best, and that you then think that she's into you. Okay, the the hinge on your argument is those that she actually takes an interest. Sure, in. she's right. in control. And what yeah. I'm saying is. A woman like that with a man like Nick Fury in the room, you would think that she was obviously – she did her research on him. She knew who he was immediately even before the introduction was made. And you got a guy like Hatherly who is not – I mean he, he's, a, he's an attractive man but not anywhere near her league. And yet she spends a little bit of time. Not in his presence. She's talking to other people like, hey, who's that? You know, I, I think that there was something that, and in that I think my, my suspicions are borne out in the end. His revelation would not have been as shocking to her as it was had she not felt something for him. If he, if he told her what he told her at the end and she didn't have any feelings for him, she'd be like, oh, that's nice. But it, it, she is pierced when he says that at the end. She's visibly a, shaken, but, but that's she's, there's a lot of ro- there's a lot of miles between this scene you're talking about now and then though, right? Because there's a lot of she, she, there's a lot of regret in in her life. True, when the yeah, relationship is I, I think made, that she's so. just a a young, attractive woman who's unbelievably confident and knows she's attractive and uses it to her advantage. Okay, and she shows general genuine interest in him, and so as a, as a person, and and it's it's she is slightly flirtatious. I mean, you have to have had known. You have to have had women in your life that are just naturally flirtatious. Oh hell yeah! Because they want to fuck you. It's because they're just flirtatious. Well, they all want that from me. Sure, that's my point. That's this is that kind of woman you think that she does when actually she doesn't ever want to. No, they do. But anyway, (laughs) you're you. Yeah, that I mean, you know, it's the pheromones. I just sweat that shit. Um, and uh, fury. Uh, where am I here? So, well, so you were Fury, talking about DeFabio. Yeah. And um, so DeFabio Fabio. slips um, Fury a little note and says, yo, your boy's going back to Hanoi. You better get your ass on a plane because he's going to – bad things can happen. So, so Nick goes down to, to uh, save his, his boo. And um, unfortunately, uh, during a fight with Fury and Steinhoff, the, the uh, proverbial poop – hits the fan the place lights up they're being shelled there's stuff exploding everywhere um and uh we learn that uh den bin fu has fallen 
and Sun Chao is next. And Fury can't get out. Fury and Hatherly are stuck there. All roads out are uh, are blocked. So um, uh, Hatherly's pretty banged up. Um, in the uh, see, there there's um, those those indigenous peoples that fought for the French. There were uh, there was subterfuge going on. A couple of them were working for someone else, and what they did was they blew up the ammo dumps. And in blowing up the ammo dumps, Hatherley was wounded. The uh, the French major is is killed. Um, and uh, Fury's captured, and that's an ongoing theme in this book. Fury gets captured <laughs> many times. Um, uh, by someone who we uh, we meet uh, called Captain Letrong Jap. Is that a, a, a safe pronunciation? That's, that's how that? I had it. Yeah, yeah. And he's a he's a Vietnamese patriot who does not like what's happening in his country. Does not like the fact that the the French are are mucking around, uh, sticking their nose where it doesn't belong. Doesn't like the Americans there. And he wants to end the war by any means necessary. So what he does is, he's a real nice guy. Uh, he has all of the fallen uh, French soldiers beheaded, including uh, the Nazi. And their heads are placed on pikes for all to see uh, along the side of the road. And he, uh, and this is where the, the first arc ends, uh, he gives uh, Nick Fury a broken gun. And says, mm. you want to see what, what uh, this area is all about? By all means, have at it. And sends him out into the jungle with nothing more than a broken gun. It's not just a broken gun. It's his Thompson gun. It's his Tommy gun that he's had for a while. So right. Jap made it rather personal by having that gun destroyed, giving it back to Fury, and then sending Fury on his way where he gets to walk past yes. various heads on spikes, <laughs> including uh, the major. Chief Steinhoff and, and of yeah. course, the major. But um, and it is a... Uh, when Steinhoff goes down, uh, after the uh, the ammo dump explodes, his his eyes are blown out. Yep. And the... the <laughs> what does he what say? What an asshole... Um, so he's blind and he's like, come on, you motherfuckers. I can't see him. But I'll says, still I kick wish you. I could see you. I'd kill every one <laughs> yeah. of you. And they fucking jump him and go total ground and, and pound. And he's smiling. He's yes. he, the, the idiot is smiling. Like, it's, it's, it's what he lives and obviously dies for. He, yeah. they, he knows nothing else. It's, it's, he is, he is the worst part of fury to the extreme. It's, it's just, it's, he is he is happy doing what he does well and he would do that for anyone unfortunately he did it for the most heinous yeah. organization to ever exist so it's it's very hard to uh to 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 appreciate no matter what it's 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 it doesn't matter how good you are now it doesn't matter the lives you save now doesn't matter if you cure cancer now. 
it's what you did before that that is very, very difficult for people to look past. Right. And well, uh, in Steinhoff's case, I don't think it's the lives he's saving. I think it's the people he's killing. Like, he's not... He doesn't pull that trigger to save the lives of the French. He pulls the trigger to kill the enemy. Right, right. Yeah, so, and, and, I mean... But yeah, he, he's, he's just a... He's like a Ronin. He's just... he's. He needs the action too, and it's the only right. place you can get the action. It's just, but it's convenient if your enemy is the same as his. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's the most abominable character in this story. No, he isn't. Oh no, McCluskey is for sure. Yeah, McCluskey yep. is yep. a Ma- major, major. Oh, of course, he's the villain for sure. Oh, he definitely is. Yeah. Yeah. And he is also Nathan Lane. <laughs> they they had to have modeled him on Nathan Lane. He oh, looks. He looks exactly like him. Yeah, hmm. he's got the little. little I don't. Well, it's Nathan's so so affected though. He's like, got the little pushed up pug nose like Nathan yeah. Lane does. I mean, he he actually he reminds me of a guy I know, one of my coworkers. But and, but uh, pug never comes off as like feminine. No, 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 no. Just I he, mean, Nathan Lane is over the top. Yes, no, no. He he doesn't have his characteristics. He's, he's just he he looks like him. I, I, I he looks like him. I hear Nathan Lane's voice. I don't hear that. Really? No, I don't. I don't. I hear a southern genteel yeah, voice. I, I hear, especially, you know, if you watch a lot of Turner Classic movies, there's definitely a certain voice I hear when I, you know, that whole Mr. Smith goes to Washington, those those, those political state senator type movies from the 40s, and that that's what I hear when I hear mm-hmm. Elk speak. But uh, he's, he's, he's a fucking snake oil salesman, no doubt about it. Oh, he is. Yeah. So um, let's get into the next arc. Which begins in 1961. Jason, you want to tell them about that? You're doing a much better job than I would being able to recap these arcs. Okay. No, I mean, because I'm not... Well, no, I mean, this is... You're great at this. I'm not, like... like Let's not do an unplanned handoff, because I I'm the, I don't... I, I did not take notes of the issue by issue, so... I'd rather be the color man here. And you okay. Okay, well, the, the next um, arc, as I said, 1961... We go to uh, Guatemala, where uh, Fury and Hatherley are brought in to train the soldiers to oust Fidel Castro. Um, there's one very painful uh, bit of dialogue between uh, Hatherley and Fury that I actually wrote down because uh, it, it's pretty affecting. Um, Hadley says, you know, last night, when it got real bad, I mean, when it was really close in and crazy, he goes, I'm pretty sure I shot one of our own guys. Yeah. And Fury goes, yeah, I'm pretty sure I did too. He said, uh, sometimes it just gets like that. Like, So on that front, it's funny you highlight that. My father was, uh, I mean, my, rather my stepfather was a Vietnam vet and prisoner of war. And he he killed someone in friendly fire. Mm. He said he would have estimated that upwards of twenty five percent of the guys that died uh, over there were from friendly fire. Wow, that's a huge percentage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was because of the untenable, unplanned, unfocused conditions that they were in with. Right. No mission objectives and officers that were ill-suited for combat, and it, yeah, it just was a well, difficult position to be in. Thank you. You know, our soldiers, our soldiers had no 
had no ability to handle guerrilla tactics. They had never been exposed to that. So Right. Well, Stanley Kubrick aside, uh, most of us get our perceptions of war from Hollywood. And the Hollywood method is when the heroes are fighting, only the enemies go down. You know, but it's not like that. When you're spraying, you know, X amount of rounds per second, there's got to be casualties that, you yeah. know, unplanned for casualties. It's just, it's it's brutal. I mean, that's why this book is so hard for me to read because it, it forces you to face concepts that aren't, normally associated with the the subject matter like we we the the hero parachutes in he kills only the bad guys and saves the day and gets the yeah. the girl and perish and and flies out like that's the hollywood or story. even funnier like the gi joe thing where like gi joe fights cobra all over the world but they never actually kill anybody right yeah. right, yeah. right. they blow up the jets and cobra always manages to parachute out or they yeah. <laughs> always capture them all yeah. right. uh since the uh that exchange with hadley is in the third issue so it's still part of the first arc oh i'm sorry Okay. That's okay. Because no, you, you said it, and I had it down here, too. Wow. And, and when you said that, you know, it was – and I, I had to double-check while you were talking. But, yeah, no, it's a uh, – because I was – since we're into the the fourth issue now, I'm like, okay, well, where is that? Where's that yeah. exchange? Well, okay, my bad, my bad. Okay. Um, so on the back end, Pug has asked Shirley to marry him. Right. And she tells Fury during one of their – trysts <laughs> and he's he is he's aghast Shocked. he, he is, the, yeah. I, I thought the patch was gonna fly up like wah, you know <laughs> uh he, you know he's shaken because they just got done having extremely good sex in a bathtub in the bathtub and she tells him and he's like then she gives him the ultimatum she goes all right big man you, you don't think this is this is right ask me to marry you Come on, do it right now with a straight face. Try yeah, it. yeah, ahead. just just do it. He and, and he's just like, and he yeah. can't do it. She's like, yeah, I told you. Now come on, let's get to bed and do it again. Um, there's obviously a very very strong connection between these two characters. Like as the story goes on, you can you can sense Fury is just head over heels in love with this woman, but the the animal, the soldier, won't let him act on it. Yeah, it's it's a it's a crime. It's it's so damn sad that this man who has endured all these hardships could have had a little, little, little bit of of peace and salvation from just being in the same room with this woman for, you know, whatever, how many years he had he has left. Probably a lot. But the only bad thing is he would probably have to watch her die because of that whole longevity thing. We get a little taste of that later in the series. Right. And but also, too, you know, I have to say one thing about Shirley. I think Ennis does an interesting thing with her. He, 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 I would say he spends most of the series romanticizing her in a way that's almost unfair to her actions, meaning that she's an opportunist, too, right? I mean, she knows in the beginning that she, that Pug wants to fuck her, and she's not giving him any at the time, but she knows that, like, he's into her. And and she's being opportunist and taking the job and being his secretary. Then she marries Pug because she sees that he's her best option. He's rising politically. He's got money and influence. And she's got no better offers. And so she takes him up on his offer. And it is a marriage of convenience from start, 
but she makes that choice. Right. Right. She so, she's not forced into it. She doesn't fall in love with Pug and then it's a bad marriage. She no. she knows from jump that this is this is a marriage of convenience and it's to make her so she's not she she is calculating and she is self centered and she is opportunistic. But throughout most of the book, although her actions would cause you to describe her that way, I think Ennis does uh, probably intentionally makes you in every time we see her feel like she's this wonderful girl and boy, if only Fury could be with her, but she's pretty much an opportunistic whore. I mean, really? Right. I mean, like yeah, she, she is yeah, because she's, uh, she's calling Nick's bluff. She, mm-hmm. she knows that he's not going to, you know, step up and ask her to marry him. But even if he did, she probably wouldn't, which is why I think it sends such a, and I know we'll get to it such an, I think that is why the ending of the series is so powerful because it's such a fatalistic view of the human condition. Oh, yeah. Annis is basically saying even a woman who is her own woman from the day she's born in complete control of her environment, self-confident, does what she wants, can be ground down to the ultimate low under the right circumstances. Yeah. Right. Like, like, like it's even, even her life got to a point where she was willing to throw it all away because she just couldn't take it anymore. And she realized in the end that she wasn't in complete control. Right. Because Pug just laid it all out for her. He's like, Oh, that was a great scene. I control everything. And, and so she's been in my name. All you guys, you fucking busted hip. She's living a lie. Um, and then he's like, why, he's like, why don't you have a drink? I know it's a little early, but that's, that's never stopped you before. Stopped you before. Like, oh, shit. So many as, he's wa- as he's walking away to go bang his whore. Yeah, who's moved in. And that's the thing. It's like everybody... Garth does not write anyone to be the uh, be the comedy relief. Everybody has... Everybody's a master of their own destiny. Everybody has great lines. Everybody is strong. They think they're the, the hero of their story. So it's it's nobody comes across like like an idiot. Even even Pug, who is a piece of shit person, he still doesn't come across. You don't you do not go through the bulk of the series rooting for him to fail. You know that he's pulling some strings, and and it's not until after we get uh, mostly through the second Earth the Castro story, where where that's when we see Pug's true self when yeah. Shirley calls him, begging and pleading that we have to get Nick out of there, and. And he's oh okay dear no yes I'll I'm gonna yeah I'll make my calls don't worry about it hangs up the phone and goes back to reading the fucking paper yeah as if it was nothing right Nick is totally expendable to him well that's another thing that that Ennis does masterfully here by using the length of time that's covered in the story is he does show you that I think all of these people are who they are from the first page that we see them but the way with which they the bounds with which they're willing to act on being who they are gets progressively more pronounced. So yes. Pug is this young go-getter. He's he's taking a risk by going to uh, by involving himself with the CIA and trying to make this happen in the beginning, but but generally he's just a guy, right? He's a well-liked guy. He's just trying to be a guy. Then um, we see a glimpse of how he's willing to self-serve by 
they send the helicopter and they, it's for Fury because Fury's the asset. He doesn't want to be the guy that sent Fury there and, and this war hero gets killed. So he wants Fury to hop in the copter, but there's only one spot. So he's willing to let everyone like Hatherly die because they're not insignificant. For his own sake, it, it would hurt him to lose Fury. Fury obviously chooses another path, but but Pug doesn't want him to. Then you fast forward, and during the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, Pug disappears, leaves his fucking wife to fend for herself, um, but is still trying to make the best of it, but saying, oh, I'm doing it for us, I'm doing it for the country, um, right? But then shortly thereafter, he's willing to let Fury die, um, which again doesn't happen, but progressively he's willing to do more and more, and then ultimately we get to the point where it's Iran Contra, um, or, or rather um, uh, the, the Contra, the, the 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 Nicaraguan drug thing, and and he's um, and now he's willing to go so far as to be the brains behind an illegal drug operation in order to fuel his political motivations. So he's he's just progressively willing to do more and more uh, as he gains power. He's you see that he's he's selling more and more of whatever whether you want to call it a soul or, or his moral compass or whatever. So, right. but I think Ennis does that with each of them, right? With each of their paths are willing to go further and further, except for maybe Fury. I mean, Fury just is who he is. And it seems like he's now at a point as the narrator of reflecting on, on being the guy he always was. And, and was that, was that the right choice? So. Yeah. Well, Pug is motivated by the perceptions of the voting public. And he sa- he says it many times through the course mm-hmm. of this series. Like uh, to to focus on the arc we're on now, when he extracts himself from the the uh, the Cuban situation and leaves his wife to fend off um, some very very pissed off uh, Cubans, um, she comes back and she's got a black eye and she's disheveled. And he's like, "Did anybody see you come in?" Like not, oh my God, are you okay? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, did anyone, did you, did, was there a paparazzi there? Did anybody see? Well, I didn't have to worry about paparazzi then, not, not so much, but just anyone picking up on the situation. And it, it, he does that throughout the entire series. He's like, well, that wouldn't go over well. Why would I make that decision? Like, and, and he, he's, it, it's, it's blatant that he cares not so much about the people around him. It's like, right. what, what can you do for me? Or where can you get me? He's, upwardly mobile to the point where it's disgusting mm-hmm. he, he's a, he's a i you know his nickname is pug but he's a pig it's that i think the 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 fact that his nose is pushed up a little bit mm-hmm. is for us to make you know the the leap that the dude is a swine um so uh the cia um has sights on castro and and Hatherley's going to be the trigger man, so they want to assassinate Castro and just put this whole thing to rest. And the 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 plan does not go well. Um, and Fury and Hatherley are captured again. <laughs> They're captured again, and they get to watch uh, a human being's head smashed in a vice. It's yeah. it's grueling to watch that. It's it's like Gates of Hell. Um, but the, uh, the theme again is just like, we have a plan. It's a great plan. We're going to go execute it up. Oh, wasn't the best 
plan and now we're in trouble and we have to fend for ourselves. It's this, it's, 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 it's almost the same. Like the first arc is almost the same as the second, which is very similar to the third. Situation goes south. Fury and Hadley get captured and they have to find their way, uh, you know, out. And in, in, in the third arc, it's not Fury and Hadley who are captured. It's Fury and Frank Castle. So it's the best laid plans, right? Um, and I screwed up because that's the arc where she calls Puck. So, yes, even though there were moments, like you said, when, when she shows up back at the office. Because this fucker snuck away from the Cubans because he didn't want to get hurt, leaving... Surely behind, um, we we obviously get an inkling of, of the type of person he is. But it is the it is when when Nick and Frank are in Vietnam. That's when he doesn't uh, exactly rush the help. But this is also another thing I like about this series is that we haven't seen Latron since the first arc, the end of the first arc, and you know. That's fine. People come in and out, especially if you're someone like Nick Fury, people come in and out of your life. Uh, if you live as long as Nick Fury, you're people who you're never going to see again. So you don't really think that you're going to, um, that, that Latrong is going to show up again in the series. So when he does it, it's not like it's some big reveal on the last page where, holy crap, it's you. It's just one of those things where it, based on how we first met the character and 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 like you said vince he's he's a patriot that you know it, it would make sense that uh that instead of coming up with someone new that based on his career trajectory why wouldn't they cross paths again right and and like you said they do and that's the the third arc uh we we jump a little bit uh nine years to 1970 and to vietnam the CIA sends Fury and Hadley into Nam to assassinate, assassinate Jap, uh, general, who's now a general, Letrong Jap. And like we said before, Hadley's scarred by the Bay of Pigs incident. Uh, he can't and won't take the shot, but Fury has the utmost confidence in the guy. Um, but he, he needs to get the job done, and so he gets another shooter. And enter a Marine by the name of Frank Castle. Yes. Um, uh, Castle's scant humanity is almost their undoing. Because um, (laughs) Fury Fury and Castle are are plunging through the the jungle and they encounter a young Vietnamese boy. um, And they don't kill him. They They let him live. As... Probably all of us in this room would do. I mean, I'm not going to kill a kid. I'm not that. I I'm, I couldn't be that type of soldier. Right, but you know that that moment is so telegraphed of everything we've seen from um, other Vietnam stories, right? Right, right. In that the the Viet, one of the things that made the guerrilla tactic so potent was the willingness to use children and women and right, right. Like, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, look so at- you know, as a reader, you know what's coming. Sure, sure. It's like right. look, look at this cute little kid. Up, oh, he's lifting up his shirt. He's got a bandana, a bandolero of all explosives, yeah, and now we're yeah, all yeah. dead. Yeah. Um, 
so they let the kid live, and obviously, like Jason said, he runs back to tell the tale, and um, holy hell rains down on uh, Frank and Nick, but not before they set a trap for their attackers. But ultimately, Fury and, and Frank are captured by General Jap. <laughs> and and the thing is, Jap has a, a very thick file detailing CIA involvement uh, oh. in, in heroin trafficking and assassination attempts. And he's like, okay, he's a patriot. He wants this. He wants all this injustice and death and, and maiming and, and just hell to end in his country. He loves his country and he'll do anything to, to stop this. So he says, you know what? He, he basically blackmails him. He says, I got this big ass file. Um, he's going to shame the U S out of Vietnam. And and the arc um, goes the way it goes. I, I I don't think we should go too much into it. Just to say it doesn't end as planned, right? The, the, no, the, no. Um, the U.S. obviously doesn't pull out of Vietnam until a little bit later. Um, but Nick uh, was brought in because this this general Jap is extremely elusive. Like, according to the CIA, Fury was one of the very few planet pieces, very few people on the planet who can identify this guy. Yep. Um, again, Fury is, uh, as, a, as an asset, and it, it sucks to call a human being an asset in terms of war, but that's what he is. He's, he's, uh, he's the weapon you want on your side. Um, he's exploited as that, and... Uh, it just it it just grinds you down after a while reading these stories where these people just manipulate other human beings for their own goals. It's we see it we've seen it in every page of this story. Mm-hmm. And it 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 doesn't have to be like this. And I, I think um that's the the crux of this entire biscuit. Um the this story, uh, this 13-issue story, My War Gone By, I think, is about the uh, corrosive influence that our country has on other places. The American intervention always, always goes south. And and um, the people, and it's even, it's explicitly said in one passage, I think it was, um, Shirley said it. Where the people in these countries, they, they hate our guts. They cannot stand us. Because we come in, we meddle, we fuck shit up, and then we leave. And, and we, we don't clean up our messes. There's death and misery and, and for, for untold generations of people. And McCloskey is the poster child for this kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. He's the person manipulating all this. Mm-hmm. He's the, he's the, the 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 lifelong bureaucrat sitting at a desk far far away that's pushing around these pieces on the game board and at, at very little expense to himself. He he doesn't. Well, at least not until issue thirteen. There's no comeuppance for his behavior in any of these stories. He comes out unscathed in every one of them. Not only unscathed, I mean it's working. He continues to rise in prominence. Right, he, better, better, stronger. He becomes faster. a senator. He becomes yeah. 
so again, like like the Bob Kaniger stuff, this is not a hoorah uh, war story. This is this 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 is a war is fucking bad story, and and the the price of all these skirmishes and battles is is way 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 too high. Absolutely. Yeah. The uh, the karma that we're gener the bad karma that we're generating is they say it on the news the chickens are coming home to roost it's it's gonna happen it is happening yep and this is and the the cuban arc is where we we start seeing the we start seeing the uh chinks in the armor between the relationship between pug and uh our little our little moppet yeah and and even even shirley and uh and Nick, to a degree, and it's it's. I, do you want to? Do you need a break, Vince, or do you want to go? You take or do you want to handle the last? Take okay. it, take it. The, um, eleven is or ten rather is where um is where we jump up to nineteen eighty four. But even before that, when Nick is still first page of the issue, uh, Nick is still talking into the recorder, and that. That page, it it was it wasn't as obvious to me in the first nine issues or so, but this is where Nick really, really starts to look old, and mm-hmm. and it's yeah. it's it is it's it's painful, and he's been he's been in his hotel room for God only knows how many days. The bed is a mess. I mean, the, the robe the robe was was plush and and bright white when the series started <laughs> and now it just looks lived in and dingy and i mean the 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 room is an absolute mess he 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 we forgot to carry the one he has no more fucks to give there, there's just it, it's he doesn't doesn't care as he's telling the story so we're we're now in 1984 and he's getting we're calls in, too it's like uh from the from the main desk oh yeah, yeah like, like, you know, are you oh, okay they're showing up yeah, see, yeah, 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 you yeah. See if you're alive still because you know it's been in, in the room kind of Smells a little bit. In a minute. Um, so we are in 1984, and uh, we are now uh, in Nicaragua, and and it's where we, uh, it's where chronologically, as uh, year wise, it would be the um, it'd be the first appearance of Barracuda had we not already met him in the Punisher series, but. This is um, this is Barracuda basically being Barracuda. If anybody's familiar with the character, you're not going to get anything really new or groundbreaking in his appearance here. But he is um, he and his his little troop are uh, basically running things. They're they're the uh, they're the guys who are um, making sure the drugs get moved and uh, and everybody gets paid. Um, so they're doing the dirt while trying to make it look like everything's on the up and up. So, uh, Nick and George come up to, um, to kind of just there. What would you say their actual job is here? They're in to be, they're in to disprove the claims that there's some, you know, nasty shit with drugs going on. They're brought in they, to well, say, right. they want to, uh, just to make sure everything is on the up and up. And uh, the Barracuda kind of puts on, you know, the the 
warm welcome and and tries to uh bring nick in and, and let him know you know no everything's cool here we got you know we yeah people try to you know they 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 try to mess with the junk we we squash that shit we're uh you know we don't they ain't got no nobody's got time for that um <laughs> and and while that's happening we now see um it's 1984. This is all I'm thinking about. Looking inside Pug's house is like Tammy Faye Baker, and 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 just the height of of that that really gaudy opulence that seemed to be a thing. Uh, yep. Shirley's put on a little bit of weight, but you know it's that it's it's obviously everybody's getting older. Everybody is 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 maturing in the series, um, and. You see that uh, the conversations that she and Pug have. Um, She's starting get... to look rough. Let's be honest. Well, I mean, Parlo's <laughs> drawn her to look rough at this point. <laughs> She's yes, and and uh, she's not as um, she doesn't really lace the comments to Pug with, with as much sugar as she used to. Is it? Nobody's got. She's just cutting through the shit. She's like, you know, this is, and he's still trying to act like how we was when we first met him. Uh, you know, there's, there's no need for that kind of language, dear. There's no need to be so vulgar. And, and you know, it's just like, dude, it's like we, we've been married. I've, I, I, I know I've seen your dirt. It's just we can kind of, although um, we do find out later on in this arc that uh, she may not have been as, as, um, as careful as she may have thought in her meetings with Nick, uh, because it was convenient for both of them to step out on one another. And, and, uh, there's no, there's no point. And, and he even, he even tells her, says, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing you need to deny right quick. And, and, and that pause, that hesitation, you pretty much told me everything I needed to know. So there, there, there is really no point in surely denying that, uh, that she's been for decades uh, riding Nick around town. So the, but why, you know, and shame on her. She underestimated him because why, why wouldn't he have Intel on her? If if, she says earlier in the series that she's not sure if he even knows, she, she says she knows that he's sleeping with whores and she has no idea if he knows that she's cheating on him. So she, I mean, it's just not that she's oblivious to it. She just doesn't know or really care. Right, yeah, in the, in the moment, you know, she's with Nick, she doesn't, you know, it, it, whatever he, and then she'll, it's, we all, I think we've all had those times where it's like, listen, you know, this is, I don't know if, if they know, and I'll, I'll worry about that when the time comes, maybe in the back of your mind, thinking that that time may never come, I, it's not, it's not music I'll ever have to face, but, you know, I'm living in this moment right now, I'll burn that bridge when I get to it. Yeah, and yeah, you maybe, know, I, maybe she won't notice the PayPal charges. Right? <laughs> to Jason's point, I think... I, I really think she doesn't care, but the reason why she she stammers and, and loses her place when he confronts her is because not because she's concerned whether or not he knows, because he cuts through her character. Because she wasn't above him in the manipulation scale. He 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 jumped above. He's like, Yeah, I knew. Tell me I'm wrong. You know, he's like when a, when you're near him, I can practically smell you. Yeah, you're, yep. you're a dick. <laughs> Thirty twos. <laughs> you're a dick. <laughs> he 
is. I mean, and but he's he is. You know, it's that it's that charming kind of insulting. It's that Kevin Spacey on House of Cards or or right. in the Garden of Evil. It's like it's like you are you you're almost charming. You 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 you're smiling. Why you are so vile and insulting, and and it's 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 weird. I mean, yes, you should absolutely despise Pug, but at the same time, because of how he carries himself and and how he how he says things, it's it's very difficult for me to just say that you I I I don't want to see you in this book anymore. It's a he he just Garth just has a way with, with this character that I, I can't um, he's absolutely the, the worst character in the book but it's it's because and it's done such a great job with him that, that it's I, I don't want I don't want to see him go I, I, I I'm not I don't perk up every time I see him but he just he, he's, he's 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 a he's a great character even though he's a piece of shit right but the, and the way he goes in the last issue, I think was perfect and poignant because throughout the whole series, we never see him ruffled. We never see him less than, than that image that he wants mm-hmm. to project to the, the general public. But when he finally meets his end, he's rutting like a pig. Mm-hmm. He's, he's yeah. sweating and, yeah. you know, and so well, that's it's the other like, cool part about when he's, when he's taking her to task and basically breaking her down you know, there was a scene earlier where she's get done having sex with Nick and, you know, she says something like, well, you know, um, I was repulsed by him the first time. You know, he goes to whores and I know yeah. he goes to whores, yeah, but that's yeah. fine because he was repulsed. I was repulsed by him the first time we slept together after our wedding night. And then and then when he's breaking her down, he's like, I he's like, you were repulsed by me the first time we slept together. I knew that. Mm-hmm. It's like, so I found I found another means and you did, too. You know, so it's like he's just like, bitch, I fucking was on you from jump. Like, let's let's be real clear here. Like, I like you are as much a convenience to me as I am to you. Because if and if if he didn't, if he if he didn't pick up on that, if he wasn't aware of that, he wouldn't be as effective as he is as he was in everything mm-hmm. else. Oh, he did. exactly. He's not. He's not yeah. a dumb no person. Right. Nobody's right. dumb in this book. There's there's well, not some of Barracuda's dudes, but yes, you're, well, they're, yeah, they're just they're red. They're just henchmen, yeah. right? Right. But sure. I mean, you, you you do the list. Every character of prominence in this book is intelligent. Barracuda, Castle, uh, Shirley, McCluskey, uh, even George. I mean, George is an intelligent character. Yes. Yeah, they're all smart. They all have, uh, you know, the, the noggins. The synapses are firing. It's just that they're alternately despicable or and or opportunistic. Mm-hmm. You know. So I mean, they're 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 human. They're vile, but some of them are. Oh, vile, they're well. But... They're extremely vile, and I think some of the most vilest actions um, happen at the end of the eleventh issue when Fury with the night vision goggles walks through the village. Oh God! And I mean, it's like if if you if if you were fine, if you could stomach the head in the vice, the head on spikes. Uh, eyes getting gouged out and 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 knives to to throats or bullets through throats. If if everything else in this series, if you're like, okay, well, you know, that's just that's violence. That's you know, that's the horrors of war, what have you. But then you get to something 
that follows this double page spread of nothing but bodies strewn about and speared through and a woman with her intestines more of them outside of her body than in with what I thought were was was part of her large intestine uh, ends up being the umbilical cord still attached to the baby that has been stepped on into the ground. That's the hard, that's the most difficult uh, part of that image. It's, it's yes, the, the, the loss of a, an infant life is gut wrenching um, by in any instance. Right. But it's the footprint that really kills me on that, that panel. It's just, and it's, it's, it's very subtly done too. Um, it's, uh, that's the, by far the most disturbing panel in the entire book. I yeah. think I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there are a lot of really disturbing images. In this oh, book. Definitely yeah, I would are. agree. Um, but the, the, the end of the, the 1984 arc, um, when it was mentioned earlier, when, uh, when, when, Fury tells Hatherly to, you know, get, I don't, I don't need you to watch my back at the hell out of Dodge. Uh, their plan was to make it look like George and Nick both hightailed it out of there. Uh, but in actuality, it was only Hatherly because Fury was going to double back and follow Barracuda and his crew and, and see what they're up to. Um, but Barracuda gets word that uh, that only Hatherly was present. Fury wasn't with him, and that causes Barracuda to to think on it and and realize mm. that maybe um, maybe the old coot isn't so um, sold and busted. Might have a few tricks up his sleeve, so he's going to fight fire with fire. They end up capturing Hatherly. Um, torturing him somewhat he's a little beat up but um barracuda reunites them and uh at that point barracuda basically just gives up um gives up the whole the whole gig lets fury know this is what's going on um you know but just everything i just told you it, it ain't gonna mean shit you go ahead you go home you file a report about what you saw about what's going on down here and it, it it is really really not gonna make one damn bit of difference um and and he's pretty much right and then Hatherly tries to get the last word in by telling barracuda that you know you're a disgrace to the uniform as if everything else barracuda has done as if that would cut him to the quick as if that's going to phase him in any way shape or form and you know kudos to Hatherly for fighting back somewhat and, right. and trying to throw a dig in where he thinks he, he insults Barracuda in a way that if someone were to say it to Hatherly, Hatherly would be hurt. But Barracuda ain't Hatherly. And he retorts by kicking a headless, the remainder of a baby mm-hmm. at Hatherly in the chest. And he even says, he says, fuck the phenoform. Feel me? And, Everybody kind of goes about their business, and that's when Hatherly admits to he, he confides in Nick and says that uh, when we get back, I'm I'm going to quit. He's like, I I'm not um, 
this is what comes to fighting Secret Wars, Nick. Too much unchecked power. Um, eventually, someone gets the idea to use it to make a buck, like those three idiots in Saigon. And someone else says, hey, if you can make money from narcotics and use your war to cover, use your war for cover, why not use that to pay for your war? And then, you know, you get you get Barracuda when all that adds up and 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 i can't I, I i can't deal with that anymore so uh fury goes home talks to pug mccuskey really ain't ain't hearing none of it and um and nick meets up with shirley and and shirley tries to kind of um she puts on her best dress tries to make herself feel good by um see if there's any trying to rekindle that spark she had she and nick used to have in in the old days when they would get together and and have a gay old time um but uh he's nick's really not in the mood and um he doesn't even look at her for the most part he really doesn't he i mean he's he's, i mean she's on his blind side and and he you know she's like she's she's buttering him up she's like you know you you still look really good and he's he's like no i mean i she gave uh, she gave him the old Iwana. <laughs> right? He, he's like, like nah. You, you look, she says, you look great. I should get myself shot in the head. If you want, we could. He's like, no, nah, I got an early start. I just yeah. like, you know, and then, and then, so she's like, well, then she's not, you know, her life with Pug is miserable. And she's like, you know, is it, is, is it, is it the lines in my face? Is it the weight I've put on? Is it my saggy tits? And it's just, you know, uh, or could you just find, you know, some some young snatch, young tighter snatch anywhere else, and uh, and he's just like just. That's when he finally looks at her. He's like he tells her to knock it off. She 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 takes a sip from her glass, and and that's when he kind of looks at her for a little bit, and um, and they kind of go down. He goes down, and we rode for a little bit, but uh, it ain't um. It's it's just not. Not not in the cards at this point. He um. But she never had a problem with with language. She, no, not at all. No, not she she's she's a very cunning uh, commenter. I would say she she knows just what to say to get what she wants, right. or 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 to cut you to the quick. Or she language is 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 Shirley's weapon, yeah. and and she she uses it very well. And 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 her physical well not not at this point, but uh, previous instances her physical attributes in conjunction with the language. I mean she was she's she was devastating, either uh, when she's on the Mac or or trying to to knock you down. She she could usually do it. The uh, after Nick and Shirley kind of. Uh, part ways we um we finish up the issue at new york with with nick saying that um you know it was uh it was about five years he he waited five years but he because he promised he swore to barracuda that he will get even with him uh and five years after he last saw him he did and and there was um there was barracuda's Having a time of his life in a hotel room somewhere, and uh, the woman he's with, she she leaves the room. Room goes dark. There's the uh, the yellow tint from the night vision goggles that we saw at the end of the previous issue, 
and Barracuda gets beat the fuck up. Yeah. And we have an awesome double page spread of of the of the batter, the flapjack, whatever the hell the blackjack. It, it's just it's 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 broken bones. Lots it of, is lots and lots of broken bones. Every place Barracuda gets hit, whether it's in the head, the nose, the hand, the ankle, fucking thighs, every basically the ribs and and there's a uh there's a skeleton skeleton strewn on the um just across the two pages and and every place the uh the weapon was used on Barracuda we see the broken bones on the skeleton and uh Fury Fury leaves the room saying sometimes the uh sometimes the uniform fucks back and uh at the end of the issue he's as he's saying it's the recorder uh but when all was said and done I knew it would mean about as much as my next shit. So there's yep. someone else who has a way with words. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, then, then the final issue, issue 13, that's when, um, that's, that's when all the, the punches in the balls happen. Yes. yes. I mean, everything it, it's, there are old ghosts that, uh, come back to haunt Nick. There are, uh, it's, it's, it is a, is an extremely, it's weird to say it's a fitting end for this series because mm-hmm. it is hard to take at times, but it is, it is the only way this series could end. The, the, these people were not dumb. Everybody, all the characters in this series, in this story, they all lived long lives. Uh, but it wasn't, uh, they weren't pretty, especially towards the end as, uh, as we get into into nineteen ninety nine yeah and I think that's one of the the things that <laughs> is very important about this series you can't uh, and and it pains me that the 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 thing was released in two trades before it was collected in one hardcover because if you don't follow the progression from issue one to issue thirteen you miss so much in this book yeah it's stupid that's why we were i mean I know yeah. we, when we talked about just reading it, it just doesn't, this is a true, this is one complete story. It's just not. Right, right. It just doesn't make. I mean. By the way, I, I sorry, I had to go with the dog out because he was whimpering. But uh, I, when I came back in, it sounded like you guys were talking about that scene where Nick and Shirley are at the bar and she's a really old and busted at this point. Yeah. And she has to, it, it, that's another, I have to even, I mean, Ennis is a great writer. I, I, I. He annoys me a little bit sometimes because I think when he writes stuff that he's doing for a paycheck, it's not as good if he's not really into it. But but that scene is great because not only does does Nick spurn her advances, which again is just Nick reminding you like he's a he's a he's a there's a lot to like about Nick, but he's a he's a normal dude and she's old and busted now and he's not trying to hear it like. You know, he's trying to be nice about it, saying, "Oh, I got an early night," but I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, she knows what that means. He knows what that means. He's just not attracted to her anymore, and 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 that is what's happening. She she fears that's what's happening, and that is what's happening. I mean, he 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 doesn't find her sexually attractive anymore. But what's fascinating is if you think about it, it's also the first time that we see Ennis overtly have her proposition him. Like she's gotten to the point where she now has to say, "Hey, I'm." I'm down if you're down. 
right? All yeah. the times before there was just such chemistry. It was a there was no <laughs> doubt they were going to be get, getting on it. It was just yeah. it was just how let's how soon can we get it on? This time she has to essentially throw herself at him, saying, "Hey, I'm 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 DTF if you are," and he's like, "I'm good." <laughs> That sushi's not sitting well with me right now. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna go work some things out in my bathroom. <laughs> Think of the old times. But I mean, Ennis just does such an, an an incredible job of aging these characters via their persona and their dialogue over the course of the book too. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. Right, yeah. but yeah. Um, you got to give it up for Parloff too because uh, what he did is not easy. And, well, we've been ooh. we've been we've been giving Parloff the unintentional short trip so far because we've been yeah. talking so much about the plot. Um, first of all, when I first read this, I don't think I realized at the time how much Parloff is um, a student of of Chaikin. I mean, he's 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 Chaikin in a lot of ways. Only he's he's tighter, Chaikin, less. Um, I, I dare say better than Chaikin, at least the, the current incarnation of Chaikin. I think he's Chaikin without the ego. Oh, that's interesting. Speak on that. Well, Howard does a lot of things really well, and he's mm-hmm. gotten accolades for doing those things um, well, and mm-hmm. he's not he's not above wagging his dick in your face. Like, remember me, I'm Howard Chaikin, this is what I do, you know, me me and Ken. Remember those great stories, American Flag, with all the, you know, the, the talking heads in the, the, uh, in the corn, in, on each side, and then in the middle we have the action going on in the panel. Ooh, look, the phone's ringing, I'm Howard Chaikin. Like, Using like, stat. And, right, and, like, yeah. he, he, he is not above reminding you of his past glories, where sure. I don't think in Parlov's uh, any of the sequentials in this book, I, there's, I don't get the perception of ego. Maybe because he's not, you know, as seasoned as Howard Chaikin, or he hasn't been around the block as many times. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But this felt like an honest delineation of events. Not, it didn't focus on the process like Howard does. Right. Where this is just straight out beautiful drawing. And, and and composition, but the the thing that gets me is it's the Parlov is a great illustrator. I, I love his line, but it's the it's the little things he puts in the panel that elevate him above the mundane, way above the mundane for me. Like when when Hatherley's in dying in the bed, in the hospital bed, and um, uh. She's lamenting over the fact that she had two choices in her life: uh, a dick, a dick <laughs> like Pug, or um, a war dog like Fury. Hadley's like, you know, well, I always thought you were lovely. Yes, lovely. That's the. It's because he's still. But that's not a, about right. It. That's not a word that you would use for a woman like her. She's not lovely. She was smoking hot, and and ah. you you know what I mean. He doesn't bring it, he doesn't bring it to the street level. He elevates it to the poetic level by saying, "I always thought you were lovely." I'm torn about that moment because I'm 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 inclined to think that maybe the one failing of the series for my for me, I I think that Hatherley is so pure throughout the book 
and that his motivation for becoming a pacifist, like you said, Vince, and for being able to survive in his own way and justify his actions is because of his family and his five kids and his wife. So I don't like that on his deathbed, he's like, I would have fucked you. Like, I, I don't like it. just doesn't feel right I, to me. I don't think that's what he's saying. Okay. I think, I think he's saying if we could have gone back in time to the moment that we first met, had you acted in my direction, okay. I would definitely okay. have taken you up on your offer. He's not. Right. Well, I no, prefer your interpretation because that seems truer to the character. Yeah, yeah there's no recriminations that's... like, oh, man, those five people that are dependent on me, fuck them. I would have given them up in a second for you. No, mm-hmm. he's not saying that. He okay. said, because he's saying, he, he puts it into words in the next panel. He, he said, road's not taken. Yeah, don't, Th- don't that, that's here. exactly. Oh, cool. Yeah, no, no. Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad we talked about this because I was yeah. a little disappointed in that I'm like, really, dude? I'm like, really? After all this? Right. But to get back mm-hmm. to, to Parlov, the, the thing that elevates him is in the shocking, in, in seeing her full page um, reaction to what he's saying, yes, we get the emotion in her face, but mm-hmm. what hand is it that she's clutching her chest with? It's the hand that's wearing her wedding ring. He could have had the other hand in her in her hair, like you know. There there have been a mul- There could have been a multitude of ways to right. to show this the 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 impact of his words on her. But he made sure that her hand was in the picture with the wedding ring on. Like that is just that's a great panel. Now, but why is her? I mean, I guess because she doesn't care anymore. But the, so so she's wearing her wedding ring on her right hand now. Well, no, I think that was just a, a quick fix because having the hand go in from the other side of the panel wouldn't have been good. No, it wouldn't have. I, it's, I mean, it could have been. Yeah, and, and it's it's a it, it it's just a, a yeah, it's 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 a minor cheat, but the effect is still as powerful. That's a wedding ring. Yes, and it's a piss poor small diamond for a man of his influence, which says a lot more too. Well, yeah, you, you know, but I, I think that's a great, great page. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so Hatherley's dying in 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 a hospital bed, and and words are spoken, and and her heart breaks a little bit to get through to a woman like her with just a little bit of dialogue like that. That's big doings. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And and then the the uh, Hatherley eventually succumbs to his illness, and um, Fury attends the funeral, as does. Uh, McCloskey and um, uh, Jesus, I'm blanking. Uh, Shirley. Well, Shirley's there, yeah. Uh, right, and uh, McCluskey's, or not McCluskey, but Hadley's family's there as well. And they're like, you know, don't don't even try and talk to my mom because she's a little bit pissed off um, about everything. But you you didn't you didn't go to see him in the hospital, and it, you you just basically not a nice person but i'm willing i'm willing to hear you out because good old george was my grandfather and uh you know i got to get to the end of this because there's something that he told us he he said you know don't hold it against you all that stuff that happened and then you know nick starts with the platitude uh, trying to smooth it over he's like he was good for she said i don't want to hear any of that yeah no no none of that none of that don't, there are limits to my understanding, Colonel. Yeah. Um, she she goes, uh, you know, he, he kind of opened up at the end. Um, but I, I really don't know what he did. 
and 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 that doesn't really matter but you guys were talking about the flag and and i yeah. I, I really want to know what he said and you don't get that until the very very end of the book the very very end yeah yeah and um i i think the the language ns uses for this is 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 amazing and they were talking about the flag um and and he said that you know the the debt that we as a as a society owe to the past meaning the soldiers um that we also owe responsibility to the future and he's he's like all that's just right there look at it he's like the the red is the blood on the bandaged wounds of the soldiers and and you have all the stars in the sky meaning meaning the the you know the final frontier the next the next the the possibilities for humanity uh, the stars and it's just i don't want to read it verbatim but i'll let ennis do that cuz you got to read this the series it's it's just an amazing end and you see you see a, an image of of uh george and he's in his prime smiling he's got that smile on his face you know um it's 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 an amazing ending there's just a little more but we won't go all the way we don't want to spoil the book entirely because we want you to read it but in between that jop comes back again he's actually in the united states like this guy he's he's the energizer bunny of uh of uh you know i don't want to call him evil but uh influential uh no well that's an interesting choice of words because i think that in a lot of ways Giap is one of the more grounded characters in the book Mm -hmm. i mean he says in the second time that he captures them i mean let's think about it in the first time he lets fury go because he doesn't want to kill a hero the second time they capture him he captures him because it was all a big plan Mm-hmm. And he says, I'll commit any atrocity, any horror. The ultimate kind of ends justify the means approach, which is that I'll do whatever I need to do if it if it gets the Americans out of my country so that my country can be free. And he's purely motivated for the good of his in, in his mind. He's purely motivated by the good of his of his of his compatriots. Oh, exactly. He's, and and right. but, but he's a character that. Okay, yes, he's in a position where he dictates the fate of people beneath him, soldiers. But here's a um, general from Vietnam that commanded people against soldiers from the United States. And he's in the United States. He's looking at the Vietnam Memorial. And he's like, those names on the memorial. He goes, "I, I really like it that you can touch the names and you can feel the names beneath your fingertips. Like, he knows the cost of war. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, so throughout the book, he is an ideologue. And then when he sees Fury at the Vietnam War Memorial, he's like, I was wrong. Right? I, he said, I, I, I um, you know, our communist utopia was never realized. Because, yeah. uh, you know, we brought the same cruelty and tyranny. Um for which we fought for, you know? Uh, so, and then he goes on from there, but he's, he's essentially saying like, I was wrong too. I, I thought I was fighting for something and, and uh, we finally got what I fought for. And it was just as bad because humanity is corrupt. Yep. And um, so he's, he's basically saying it's not an olive branch, but it's just like, 
we're on the same page here. You know, I, I'm from uh, I'm from the opposing side in in a, in a war that we both fought in, but you know, we're we're still a lot alike, and and yeah, we were wrong. But yep. But the, and then the, he says, uh, you know, we're both bound for hell, but I hope you find a comfortable place to wait. <laughs> and he sticks out his hand, and Fury's Parloff, credit to Parloff, Fury's eyes bug out, and he's gassed. But Fury thinks on it, and he shakes his hand, and they move, they go on their separate ways. Yeah. So again, it's just like with the with the with the Nazi, and so many other times, Fury has respect ultimately for that warrior's code. Mm-hmm. That that you just you're, you're fighting a cause, and a lot of times the cause, when you look back on it, wasn't worth fighting for, but you still fight for it because that's what you do. Yep. Dog with a bone, right? Yep. Yeah. And I, I gotta say, uh, I gotta give props to McCluskey's taste in women. Oh yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> and the, the the most the most um, shaken esque thing Parlov does in this book, I think, is. When Fury sets up Barracuda, that five years later scene, the girl, the whore that Barracuda is right. banging, yeah. she looks just like uh, Shirley when she was younger, just yeah. like her. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that um, the only other thing about the st- structure of the book that I raise an eyebrow a little bit to in, in rereading it is the inclusion of. Frank. Like, that didn't have to be Frank Castle. That's because Garth loves Frank Castle. But, no, I think it did have to be Frank because... It didn't. No, this series is... Ennis is plucking characters from his other projects that relate to this. Why, Why... If he put Barracuda in it, like, why not Frank Castle? It's just... It's It's like... Old Home Week in one series. And yes, he does love Frank Castle, right. But does he love Barracuda? No, I just think it's the... Well, maybe. I don't I don't know. But I'm, I'm guessing it's the characters that he feels are most fully realized from his work that pertains to this, that why wouldn't you use Frank Castle? And that's the thing. It's just... It's, it's just the name. You can't... I mean, it... it, it you could pretend... It was someone else, but it's 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 Frank Castle. I don't I I, I don't recall him talking about the family. I don't talk, I don't think he brought up Marie or anything like that. So we don't know he's a family man. Just that he's somebody who who told Nick to get rid of that piece of crap gun that he brought with him. He's got to use something else, and and then that's pretty much been it. If, if you're not if you're not a Punisher fan, if you don't know who Punisher is, this didn't. Nothing was. You didn't lose anything by by not knowing that in this. It, it's just it, it's some dude named Castle that Frank was with. So right. yeah, we we know who it is, and it's a neat little nod. But it's still, you know, Frank was in Vietnam. It it was where, which is why I was saying earlier that this is me splitting hairs because it's not the Punisher. This isn't this isn't that guy. He's not there yet. He's just very good. He's also a soldier who can shoot the shit out of something. He's very good at that. But this isn't this isn't the Punisher. This is this is just a soldier that they decided would be a good fit to do this job with Fury, and that's it. So it's it's not like it was you know guest starring the Punisher. It's not like it was it, it it's it, there was a skull motif somewhere on there. He didn't have 
You know, it's, it's not like well, they, they the grab. Cover, but... Well, that's Dave Johnson. I mean, yeah, right. doing his thing. But it's it's and for the most part, a lot of the covers are really nice for this series. Uh, the um, but no, I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. For me, anyway. But again, that's my attraction to the character. It was not an eye rolling moment for me. It was an oh shit moment for me. I was like, oh shit, Frank. No, I'm not. I'm not even saying it's an eye rolling moment. I dug it while reading it. But when I was thinking back, I guess what I'm saying is, is I think that Ennis is is on point in the series. I, I think from a from a narrative perspective, this is an incredibly well designed series from start to finish, and. I think he lets a little bit of his ego in the Marvel editor's ear bring in characters like Barracuda and Frank. I don't think they were just as we don't need to know that there's superheroes in this universe or the Frank runs shield later on. Uh, and, and I guess theoretically, if this was in continuity, he'd be the shield director for a lot of these, uh, at least for part right. of this time period. Right. Um, we didn't, it could have easily been another guy that was a sniper. It could have easily been another like it didn't need to be. I don't. I'm not saying it. It, it didn't bother me reading it. it. It didn't make me think all that. Uh, but I just. I guess I would have thought it. Just. I'm going to give him a 97 out of 100 instead of 100. I see. Now I only because you opened the door to this. I don't feel reading this knowing knowing what Garth did with the Max line. Mm-hmm. At no point do I feel. And we've we've gone on record as as saying we definitely felt an editor's hand in books before. This was straight up Garth. I don't think anybody at Marvel was like, "Hey, you know, it'd be neat if we tried to maybe think that there's a guy named Logan somewhere out there." I don't think anything of the sort with that. I think this was just straight up front. This was this was Garth, and is telling the story he wanted right. to tell. So, I I don't think an editor is going to say no. Maybe maybe we shouldn't have Frank in this story, but I don't I, I don't think he was persuaded to add anything that he no nah, you're right and look it doesn't it doesn't it i'm i guess i'm less bothered by barracuda being in it because uh garth and goran created barracuda in the punisher right. series and right. um it would be make sense for barracuda the character that were shown in the punisher series to have been this guy back during this period so that's fine um yeah, like I said, it's a total little nit. It's not. It, this is not something I'm trying to take a stand on I, or, or criticize the book for. I, it, it's not. And from a fan service standpoint, I, I I certainly geeked out when we see Frank Frank show up. So that's cool. Yeah. Because we we forget sometimes that Frank was a badass soldier. I mean, we know he's a sold a great soldier because he's so good at killing people. But but he was a soldier of honor. I mean, for the Frank Castle, for most as the Punisher is so twisted that he can't see how morally corrupt he's become right whereas in in this case frank is just the ultimate i'll do whatever it takes soldier um and and this does a nice job in this particular series of of highlighting that there is something a little wrong with frank and there probably needs to be to be as effective a a sniper as he is (laughs) and frank's and and, uh, rather and nick is happy to have him aboard because that's the kind of guy you need in in a shitstorm like that Right, but I gotta hand it to Ennis. Um, on one hand, he gives you these lofty concepts that make you question society and how we operate as human beings, and um, yeah, albeit with a backdrop of war. Mm-hmm. So he 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 has 
he he's a very elevated thinker in some respects and then he has on the flip side barracuda slapping somebody in the head with his dick yep you know <laughs> so i mean he's he he is um very poetic when he has to be but he's also very base uh i mean the book is loaded with sex loaded with violence and like i said Slapping somebody in the head with their dick. I mean, there, there's, right. there's it, the book's uh, chock full of racial slurs, and it's, it's, it's very uh, base. It's, it's, it's very uh, oh, fa- yeah. foul and and and. Uh, I mean, at one point, yeah, no, you're right. At one point, Nick is uh, taking uh, Shirley Doggy style and. Complaining about Pug, and then she's like, "Are you fucking me, or are you fucking him?" Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I have a question with one of those panels when when he's holding her back down. I think it's the first panel on that page when he's holding her back down, and you see just the arc of, the of, ass? of, of her ass. Right? That panel looks like it was drawn to show much more than that, but they zoomed in a little bit on oh, it to make it because be. remember the the in the in the Bronze Age whenever. You had a double page. <laughs> I'm sorry. Whenever, I don't know. I mean, no, whenever you had a double page spread, you could tell that it was drawn much smaller to save time and enlarged to fit the proportions of the double page spread. The lines were a little grittier and a little thicker in most spots. Like th- there were some areas of the drawing that you know, based on, I'm going to go back to Amazing Spider Man, based on the kind of attention. Andrew and Esposito put on those pages that they mm. would never draw a line or lay down a line that thick in that area. But it's because that it was enlarged to fill the space. That one panel of him holding her down looks like there was more outside the confines of the panel borders and they just enlarged it. Maybe they didn't want to get too explicit. Like, I don't know. But it, I just get the feeling that there's something, there was something else to that panel. The lines, right. the lines are the, the, uh, the the thumbprint of that, the quality of the lines, yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's neither here nor there. Um, just a little uh, assumption I'm making. A little something, but, something. But, no, I I like I said uh, back when we first started this thing. I didn't enjoy reading this. I I recognize it as a superlative work, probably um, one of my favorite. Ennis works not because it's enjoyable but just because it's so visceral and so real and it makes you think it pushes your brain into areas your brain is not going to go on its own um mm-hmm. and and i i love it and i need it on my shelf i'm sorry to say that i do not have it i don't have it <laughs> i don't have it in single issues i don't have it in collected i i i just blanked on this for for whatever stupid reasons and now i need to 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 make right Yeah. Indeed you do. Y'all were smarter than me on this one. No doubt. It's true. <laughs> and I'm noticing the uh the page where uh the uh the concubine her eye is blown out. There's a point where Pug is squealing like a pig. Yep. She says, Oh by God, I'll blow your brains all over and he's going Wah! He's squealing like a pig. It's perfect. Squeal this, like a pig. This, this series is so damn good. But uh, I hope us revealing um, eh, the majority of the series doesn't dissuade you from reading it. 
because you you really should. There's a lot of things that we didn't flesh out entirely. Uh, the the uh, the journey is the most important part, and I, and I think you should you do very well to to read this if you haven't already. Mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a better person for having read it. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Nicely done, patrons. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you so much. That that was a great choice. For sure. All right, we're going to make which this. Which brings one a- us to the need to uh, get our next choice going, right? Maybe. Yes. 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 And uh, there is one particular book that uh, Vince requested we have on the list, and mm-hmm. I think. Um because we have to make sure the books are available. I, I kind of want to maybe make the October list of nominees, um, considering it's Halloween, maybe horror-themed. Oh, I'm down with that. Yeah, you can move so, my, my choice to the next month. Oh, all right. Yeah, and, um, and just so in case you're looking, the collected edition of that book is no longer published by DC it's published by Dynamite and Dynamite I, I, and I think it's in a much larger collection so oh, okay. that's you know just be wary of that well I, I now have my work cut out for me because I have to find 11 horror themed collections that Wait, are cut available out, cut for out for you? nah son I'll pick them nah. for you Oh, I got some too. Yeah, we got some. We got some. Yeah. Good. You know my oh, first Mr. choice Mr. for once. Jesus, Mr. You know, Atlas over here having to carry the whole world on his shoulders. You know my first choice is going to be something by Richard Corbin. Providence. <laughs> oh, for reals, dog. Yeah, dude, for reals. I'm going to make you read it. Oh, uh, boring AF. No. Well, yes, it mm. is in some no, spots. But... Yes, but that the the kicker is that last issue, man. It is. Oh, I'd rather reread Neonomicon, to be honest. That's been well, on the list. Well, that, that needs to be read in tandem with Prometheus. There's so much horror, though. We got plenty. Okay. All right. Good. Well, we'll leave it up to the patrons. Let's put uh, Providence on the Let's list, throw- and if they want to yes. hear about it, we'll let them. Okay. So no. Now we got, we got no. Dude, come too on. Many of these, too many of these Nudniks love you too much. They're going to pick it just because you mentioned that it. That is true. Yeah. That's nice. Call them Nudniks. That's great. <laughs> but, only the ones that will vote for Providence. We'll right. never get those extra two episodes a month. <laughs> if my calling the people that will vote for Providence because you told them to nudniks is going to keep us from the extra $52, then so be it. I think Rick Hansen's going to slap you in the head with his dick for saying that. <laughs> Rick is love, you, love you, Rick. Yeah, he's awesome. All right, let's, let's uh, make this one a terse one. Does that sound good? Sure. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us as usual. This episode has been sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, where you can get all the books for not all the money, for a fraction of the money. They don't mind late orders or order editions, and you get your books all shipped up nice and safe and secure to your very door front. It could not be any easier. In your travels... To uh, pick you up out of the the uh, the visceral experience that was uh, Fury Max, I want you to read something fun. Mm, and excellent. Uh, a current title is so much of that. Uh, it, this arc begins in issue seventy three, 
The arc in question is called The Trial of Krang. It is Teenage <laughs> Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, man. Written by Kevin Eastman, Bobby Kernow, and Tom Waltz. Uh, script by Tom Waltz. The art is by Corey Smith. Yes, my dude. Ooh. Oh, man. I'll tell you, it is a feast for the eyes uh colors by Rhonda pattinson here's the rub um the turtles are in dimension x uh to help out uh with, with they're actually helping out krang because krang is 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 uh under fire he's on trial um and there are a number of old friends that show up in this arc so far Ace Duck is in it. Uh, the Triceratons make an appearance. Uh, who else do we have here? Uh, should I say? Because this just came out yesterday. Mm. <laughs> yeah, if it'll get you to read it, mm. Leatherhead shows Yeah, because spoiling the book is always the best way to get him to read it. No. Dude, come on. Who, who can... Leatherhead. Leatherheads in it, but the the uh, the real draw for I mean I love the turtles to begin with, but Corey Smith's art is phenomenal. Agreed. It is clean AF. The Triceratons are brutal. They're so. And by big. the way, Corey is a listener of the show. Is he going to be at New York next week? He will be. Nice. The expressions on the turtles' faces are perfect. Uh, character design, amazing. There's a lot of uh, scenes that happen in space. It's glorious. Read glorious. this. So you get space battles, you get turtles, you get uh, mute animals. You get. It's just. It's an. It's just so much fun that um, I, I'm gonna wait till uh, hopefully David and Jason read it. It's. It's so far. It's like only two issues, and it draws upon stuff that was groundwork that was laid way back in the beginning of the turtle series it's great fugitoid come on why aren't you reading this Corey smith y'all Fugitoid. just nice. do it just read it and it's from idw of course so i can do it yeah um in your travels i i know that um i guess we'll tag team on on Legacy next week, which is fine. Um, okay. I'm gonna end travels it so. Yeah. If you wanna if you wanna tag team on it now, it'll probably be better. It's one of those books that's timely. We either talk about it now or we don't talk about it, I think. Okay. Go ahead. In in your travels. Uh it's a little book that uh came out yesterday. It is uh written by um well, it's it's written by Jason Aaron. You have uh, art by Isan Rivik and Steve McNiven uh, for the main story. And your color artist is Matthew Wilson. Additional artist, and this is this Oof. is what I enjoy Exhausting. about this. You enjoyed it. I did. That is fascinating to me because you hate when when people can't do whole books. But you okay? 
I'll explain why. All right. We're talking about Marvel Legacy number one, for those of you who don't know, but the additional artists are, and this is this is an all-star lineup. It is Chris Somney, Russell Dowderman, Alex Maleev, Ed McGinnis, Stuart Eminen, and Wade Von Grawbacher as his anchor, Pepe Larraz, Jim Chung, Daniel Acuna, Greg Land, and Jay Oyston as his anchor, Mike Diodato Jr., and David Marquez. With a... Shank-ass um, cover by Casada. Oh, that cover <laughs> is busted. That Thor is so busted, it looks like Thor as a 90-year-old man. I'm, they all look old. Cap looks like he's, he should have a cane. That's, and I think, the Hulk looks I think, like a shriveled pickle with stripes well, on it. He looks like a sweet gherkin. Yeah. And the incredible I, I, gherkin. Uh, Captain Marvel's got... Marvel. Yeah, Captain... She's cross-eyed. Captain cross-eyed. Um... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in love with that Doctor Strange either. That's and, busted. Or or that Spider Man. Yeah, it's it's not. I mean, I I I'm a big fan of Joe Q and 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 will champion most of his work. I am I'm not in love with this cover at all. No. Uh, the I'll I'll let I'm going to let Jason talk about the main story so I can chime in about why I enjoyed. The extras. Can I ask one question? You be, can be, before you do it. Um, the the pages that feature all of the artists not on the main story. Yes. Is the writing credited to Jason Aaron on those yeah, pages all, as well? Yeah. Yes. Oh, so these pages were specifically created for this book. It's not something we're going to be seeing in other books down the line. Like this is not a preview book, is it? No. It, it reads like a preview book, but it is not. Okay. Proceed. Um, okay, so um, <laughs> okay, um, we start one million years ago, and we see a cave caveman, cave creature, Neanderthal type of person um, trying to lift Mjolnir to no avail. And um, Odin, young Odin, young brown bearded, virulent Jogen, uh, Odin is shooing them away. And uh, clearly he had just been part of a battle and he's trying to find his hammer because it didn't come back to him. And he's got homegirl talking ish to him saying like, I don't know, you always <laughs> lose this damn hammer. And it's cave woman Phoenix, who just so happens to look like Jean Grey with Super long. The loincloth. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, but I guess that is what it is. Um, then they, they, he get, grabs the hammer and they come back to a, a, a contingent of fellow warriors that, uh, and, and through the dialogue, we know again, they've just fought a giant, a, a being of some sort. And it's, uh, we see Odin, we see a loincloth cave person that's wearing a black panther, um, a literal Black Panther on, on his head. Uh, we see a giant Neanderthal that can't speak with the star brand on his chest. We see a uh, moon dragon looking blonde, uh, bald woman who we can't quite tell who she is in the panel, but we quickly find out she is the iron fist of the time. We see a dude that looks a lot like Dr. Strange, uh, who we come to find out is Agamotto as in the eye of Agamotto. And uh, we see a 
another cave woman with a fiery head, which of course is the spirit of vengeance of the time. And so they're setting the tone here that all of these things have been at the root of the Marvel universe in some form since the very beginning. And we'll get back to that, but that's not, I know the book is called Marvel legacy, but if this is Marvel's attempt to quote unquote, write things in this, in the way that, um, DC did with, with rebirth two years ago, I don't think retconning this collection of characters as being the primal forces of the Marvel universe is the way to go about that. Cause that's not something that evokes legacy or nostalgia. The reason that DC's rebirth has been successful for 40 and 50 year old men like us is because it's nostalgic to what made us like those characters in the first place. This is exactly the opposite of that, but I'll, I'll but I'll go on. But anyway, so we're, we're led to, to, to believe that th- these characters have all been around and a million years ago, they fought a sentinel, uh, I mean, rather a celestial. Uh, and this is not a celestial like we've ever seen before. This celestial looks much more like a Japanese mech. It's got uh, weaponry and it's much more angular, uh, but nevertheless, it's some type of celestial that they had to fight and, and, and bring down. Um, and then we're fast forward to now and we see the current ghost rider. Um, and race. Yeah. And he gets into a skirmish with the current star brand who is, um, appears to be insane or at least driven, (laughs) driven in some way to madness. And so they duke it out. Then we are flashed over to Jutenheim where we see Loki leading a crew of, uh, frost giants trying to find an artifact. Um, yet we don't know what it is. We're then told that this is right after the, events of uh, Secret Empire because we're at a shield storage facility where a bunch of Marines and special forces are um, being told by the shield agents that uh, they're winding down shield and they're there to pick up artifacts of, of importance since shield's going to disband. Um, the frost giants show up trying to steal the artifact that the uh, Marines are trying to uh, give safe passage to uh, who shows up none other than Jane Foster Thor and Sam Wilson Cap. And so they get into it uh, with uh, with the Frost Giants, and uh, Ironheart also shows up. So we have uh, we have Cap, Thor, and Iron Man's and new the versions, yeah. the Trinity. Uh, then we flash to someone says, "Where is Captain America?" Because uh, during during this melee, Sam tells us five different times that this is his last day wearing 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 the colors. Um, why that would come up in the middle of a battle, I don't know, but but he, he feels compelled to narrate that for us. Uh, we then we then get to a point where we see Steve Rogers, who's young again, at a diner, a 50s-style diner. Uh, we see the shield in his backpack, and people are wondering where Steve is after having had all of the events of Secret Empire be reversed. Then we flash over to Asgardia, where the unworthy Thor is trying to get drunk because he's unworthy, and he reminds us of that. Uh, then we go to the Stark facility and uh, we see virtual reality um, Tony and uh, or Dewey bum, 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 <laughs> and Pepper. Then we get back to the battle between Starbrand. No, that's not Pepper. Oh, it's not Pepper? It's Mary Jane. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's Mary oh, Jane. Yay. Ooh. Yeah, right. There's a winner. Then we get back to the battle between Starbrand and, um, 
and uh, Ghost Rider. Uh, then we jump around to the S.H.I.E.L.D. facility where Starbrand is, is, is sent over. Then inexplicably we jump to a scene where Deadpool is out of nowhere sitting and, and three cops are pointing a gun at a bathroom stall where Deadpool's sitting in and Deadpool's doing some sort of confession. They shoot through the door. They shoot Deadpool. Of course, it doesn't affect him because he's Deadpool. Uh, then we flash to uh, the Sanctum Sanctorum where we see Stephen uh, in his warrior post the end of magic gear along with Danny Rand. Uh, and they apparently just vanquished a would-be intruder who we see walking away mumbling to himself. And that intruder was no, none other than Norman Osborn. Then we flash over to the Avengers mansion where I think it's Wanda, right? Oh no, it's Nadia. It's Nadia. It's, uh, it's, 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 yeah, it's Nadia. It's Wanda's daughter. Um, Jarvis and Nadia talking about the Avengers legacy and so forth. So on. Um, then we get back to the frost giant battle where, um, Ironheart's begging to say it, quote-unquote say it, which is Avengers Assemble. So let me get this straight. She's begging them, can I say it, can I say it, can I say it? And then they say, sure, go ahead and say it. And then she's like, Avengers, what was it again? Why would you be begging to say something and you can't remember what it was? She had it. She's nervous. Oh, just tip of the tongue? That's it. Tip of the tongue. Um, (laughs) Then, and I guess this is the scene you were probably talking about showing Vince, then we cut across to Manhattan and we see none other than, than Johnny and Ben. No, that's not the page, but go on. Oh, we see none other than Johnny and Ben standing atop, presuming the Baxter building, although it's not clear from the, the way that Chung draws it, but um, talking about if anyone will remember them. And Johnny's like, of course they're going to remember us. Uh, or uh, things like, who cares if people remember us or don't? And he shoots up into the sky the Fantastic Four fire symbol. Uh, then we go to a star system far away to the planet of Bost, Birnin Chichala, throne world of the intergalactic empire of Wakanda. So I have no idea if that's something we've seen before. Do, have we seen that before? I'm, that? I'm behind on, on Black Panther. So yeah, I'm wondering know. if that's something that's going on in Black Panther because I haven't read it. Then we go to the Alpha Flight deep space monitoring system. Uh, then we're back to the, to the uh, battle between Ghost Rider and Starbrand. And they're going back and forth. He's he's Starbrand is losing his mind. He's seeing all of this pain, the suffering, his death, because of the return of the final host, which I'm presuming is the uh, Celestial that we saw them fight a million years ago. Uh, Ghost Rider's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, dog. Um, and uh, then we're we're flashed back to a bunch of archaeologists who, in fact, are digging up a hole. And lo and behold, what do they find in the hole? But the final Celestial who reawakens the final host, and uh, then just when we think everything is wrapping up, uh, the Avengers somehow let one of the Frost Giants escape with the package they were trying to prevent him from getting, and he's pretty much home free until, bam, he gets run over by an 18-wheeler. And who gets out of the 18-wheeler? Then my man, Wolverine, who is back from the dead. And how is he back from the dead? Well, they're kind enough to tell us because Jean Grey shows up at the house where the adamantium statue of Logan is. And what do you know, but it's split open like a pup, like a chrysalis. And so it looks like as we all predicted when it happened several years ago, uh, Logan didn't die when he was covered in the adamantium. He was just trapped in there and somehow he breaks free uh, and now has one of the infinity gems. 
That was what was in the case that they were all fighting over. So we've got the original Logan with one of the Infinity Gems. You've got Loki missing out on the Infinity Gem, but somehow trying to uh, lay claim to the Celestial. You've got the Guardians of the Galaxy presumably involved because of some interstitials. And then we get uh, some scenes of Valeria and Franklin hopping through the multiverse, which is what they were doing with Sue and Reed the last time we saw them. We don't see Sue and Reed, but clearly we're we're getting Sue and Reed back and the Fantastic Four is coming back. So uh, as you can probably tell from my description, this is pretty much a zero issue. It's a preview issue. Now, I, I, to, to, Dave, to David's point, I, I don't get the sense that any of these particular pages are going to be seen in the issues that we get with this uh, reboot. But in essence, it is a zero issue setting up what we're about to see in all of the separate titles. Um, and then further inexplicably in the letters column, we get Axel talking about legacy. And then he says that this is all about laying the groundwork for going back to the nostalgia and the things that we loved about comics in the first place. And then he proceeds to ask us if we ever wonder what would happen if... Captain America had to earn his trust back. Asgard and Thor finally faced Judgment Day. The Hulk revisited Sakaar. The Punisher got his hands on the War Machine armor. The Kingpin became mayor of New York City. Loki became the Sorcerer Supreme. Deadpool killed Cable. Claw conquered Wakanda. Luke Cage went back to prison. The Inhumans met their true creators. The Infinity Stones were reformed and scattered throughout the universe, and the Thing and Human Torch decided one plus one dot 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 equals four? Question mark. I there are there are kernels of of things in this book that I enjoyed, but I don't see how that would have been possible. I don't see how I wouldn't have had, given the long history I have with. Marvel, I don't know that that would have been possible for them to give me an entire book like this without the kernels. But I think overall it's a fairly sloppy and disappointing start to what we're supposed to be this big, this big new status quo. I think structurally it's an absolute mess. Um, and I love Jason Aaron enough to say without knowing this for sure, that this is all editorial driven and he's just, they said, we need someone to craft this issue and can you do it? And I think we see a big difference between when a great writer is asked to do this by editors versus when they are in control of the universe, like a Jeff Johns who has total control when he's writing something like this. Um, Having star brand and this is the same star brand we've had for a while now in that book, star brand and, um, and, uh, night mask. Yeah. But no one read that book, myself included. It sold like 5,000 copies. So, so they treat us like we're supposed to know the star brand and we don't. Um, last time I saw him was when Hickman was writing Avengers. There you go. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not particularly a fan of that ghost rider version. So them being the, the binding agent for all of these other interstitials wasn't really feeling that. And then to have Axel tell us in the letters column, what we're supposed to be wondering about. Why didn't we see those things in this book? Why weren't those things hinted at two of them were, but the rest were not in any way referenced in the book. So I don't know. This felt like an editorial mess. Just like, I think this feels like more of the same for me, which is Marvel just not without any kind of concrete idea how to capture the magic that they've lost in recent years. What's interesting is that even in those what if questions, Axel asks, there are covers of old 70s and 80s Marvel comics. 
and three of them on the cover um, aren't even in this series. There's the cover of Amazing Spider-Man 131, which is Dr. Octopus marrying Aunt May. Right. We don't see Spider-Man in the story at all. And we barely get anything about the Spider-Universe because the only thing we get is Norman walking away from the Sanctum Sanctorum. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's the issue from... uh, Daredevil 181, a special double-sized issue of Bullseye versus Elektra. Um, neither of those three characters are in this story. And then the top of the list is is Marvel Special Edition uh, of uh, Master of Kung Fu. Who wasn't in the story. So I'm not quite sure. I mean, like, of uh-huh. all the comics that they have in their library, these are the five that they decided to put opposite of, uh, on the side of, of, of Axel's letter. Uh, you're not wrong at all about uh, the the low points. I I don't. If, if you're trying to hook people, I don't think Starbrand versus Ghost Rider is the way to do it. Uh, it doesn't matter how much I like Ghost Rider. I, I'm, I'm a Johnny Blaze fan. I, I'm not offended by Jaime. I don't think anybody who watched Agents of Shield last season are going to see this and go, "Oh snap, it's that dude from that show." So I don't know why you'd have these two characters fight and unearth the celestial but okay then you have and as far as this makeshift neanderthal avengers i i i'm sure it makes sense to have odin and phoenix and iron fist and up strange and ghost rider and black panther and what i originally thought was a hulk until obviously i see the star brand um even though we kind of see their symbols at the end after um, Loki shows up to see that other celestial. I, I I like the Odenheim scenes because I like Ribbick's take on Thor and, and that corner of the Marvel universe. Um, but my favorite parts of this issue were the single pages and this is, and, and yeah, there were, I mean, the main story alone had two, two different artists, which, and I, I, I don't even think they kind of, it's not like McNiven was just drawing the shield stuff and Ribic was drawing everything else. It was, it, they, they kind of, it, it was very similar to, to what I was bitching about with, um, with the casting and the forge and, and, and it, it's like, why, why, why are artists handing off pages instead of scenes? But seeing the, I'm, I'm a sucker for when you throw, when, when you enhance, I'm going to say a, a comic by, it's almost like new talent showcase where you have like, like, like we know Wade and Somni are the new creative team on the new Captain America comic. So here's a page featuring Captain America drawn by Somni. Same thing with Dowderman drawing the Thor page. Same thing with Maleev drawing the Mary Jane Watson page and and so on. So, so does when, that mean Chung is taking over Fantastic Four? Chung is drawing that Marvel 2 in 1. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, David Marquez drew the Valeria and Franklin two pages. So when Fantastic Four comes back, I don't know if that means he's done with uh-huh. Defenders. But 
what what I had to go back and double check. McGinnis drew that Deadpool page. Well, he's been drawing Spidey Deadpool. It, now I know he started it, but I didn't know. I thought he 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 bounced. Yeah, he hasn't done the last arc or so. two. No, okay. no, he, he did oh. it for over a year, but I, oh, he hasn't so been on. Okay, All he right. hasn't been on it lately, though. To your point, so uh, we know that now. Even though this was Doctor Strange, primarily, and a panel with Iron Fist, this is by Eminem and, and on Rob Badger who are drawing Amazing Spider-Man. So this was the Amazing Spider-Man page. It's not a Doctor Strange page. Um, Laraz drew the Avengers page or the page with Jarvis and Nadia. And uh, that's an Akuna page for Black Panther, which is weird because I believe Leonard Kirk is the main artist on Black Panther. Uh, the page I showed Vince was sadly, I didn't realize that this was the Greg, Lawn, Greg Land penciled page. Uh, but the important part that I honed in on that I wanted to share with Vince were the last three what was the last panel with the three word balloons uh, where they're saying back to scar. We need the green scar. We want the Hulk to come home because if we all know one thing that Vince loved, it's planet Hulk. I'm a little worried though. Obviously the planet scar does not know Bruce Banner is dead. And I really don't want, the idea of Planet Hulk sullied by bringing the Amadeus Cho Hulk into it. But that's me. Uh, then you also have the uh, the Ribic page with, with Logan was, was fantastic, but it looks like the Adato is still going to do that whole makeshift panel thing that he was doing with Thanos Um because he did it with the, the... Now, I don't know if that means that Diodato is going to be an artist, the artist for Wolverine, um, or if he's drawing the... the a, there's a Jane Grey book, isn't there? There is currently. I don't know if there's... Okay. Still be one. Uh, and then the... Um, and then, yeah, then Mark has the last two pages for the... Um, for Valeria and Franklin. But I, I... Because those weren't... Those, those characters whatever they're going to spawn off of, whatever they were supposed to tease you with, those stories, those comics aren't going to be drawn by McNiven or Rick. Yeah. So I, I like the idea of giving the actual artist, which is why it's weird. And I, I don't know if it now, obviously Aaron is writing Thor. So yes, he would write that, that, that Thor page, but I don't know if Aaron wrote the cat page, because obviously that's something that I would think Wade would do. So I don't know if they just didn't. I, it may very well be that Aaron wrote the entire issue, including the one pagers or the writers for those books actually wrote them and they just weren't credited. Uh, I can't see that. Yeah, I can't either. It would be, a, I mean, I mean, for all of them, it's kind of weird, but I mean, they're totally, they kind of, even though the, the Hulk page, I mean, the, the Wolverine page with Jean Grey that's still Valeria just talking. She, she's narrating it except for when Jean Grey says, you know, we missed you. So, I mean, there's not, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot there that, that another writer could possibly write. But some of the, the, the thing with Jarvis and, and Nadia, I don't, I'm a little behind on some books. So it, it may just be Aaron just, just really good at picking up on, on the tones of the writer's, Using in their books and is very capable of of writing a couple of lines to mirror to, to mimic what 
the main writers would do. But um, yeah, that is why that that's why I I, I, I smiled a bit when I read this. I I, I absolutely I, I, I co-sign what you said. I don't. It was not. This isn't. This isn't a must-have issue. This isn't. Um, if if there were other characters fighting, if if there were other characters featured, uh, or other interpretations of them, I'd probably be a little more in in the positive about it. But uh, there was some good in here, but that doesn't necessarily mean it. it I can't say that it, it's good enough for me to say you. If you've been low on Marvel lately, then, then get this because it's definitely a step in the right direction and things are going to turn around. It just there were moments in it that made me smile, but overall, it it um, it wasn't something that I thought I was going to have to run out and get. It seems like a lot of mixed reviews, at least initially, from what I've seen on our Facebook group and the like, ranging from loved it to couldn't stand it. I think for I think it was a crushing, soul crushing blow for Daniel White. Well, I don't. I think. There may have been some expectations on a lot of people's parts, but well, sure, it, sure, uh, uh, and and rightfully so. But it, it I think, um, it's one of those things where it, it, I don't know if based on what other things Marvel has said in the past leading up to this, if if they were um, fair or not to to think they were right. going to go one way. I mean, if, if if you might want them to zig and they decided to zag, I, I don't know. I mean, there's, you no, know, we absolutely loved. This didn't feel like anything that anybody else has really done recently. I think somebody on on the in the group said that it it, it felt like a low rent rebirth, and and I didn't get that impression at all. It it, it was different, in it's um, you know, it, it's the the thing I got out of rebirth was as, as and loved it, and and it was great seeing some things reset, but at the end of it it was still just a way to bring the Watchmen into the DC universe. And I didn't, I, I, I didn't get any sort of feeling that rebirth gave me reading legacy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I, I, from a fan service perspective, I'm excited to have the fantastic four back. I'm certainly excited to have Logan back. Um, I'm going to be hella annoyed though. If, if, I'm seeing books with old man Logan and Logan and <laughs> young ultimate Logan. Who's all, they're all, they're all now in the six one six. As far as I can tell, that's going to be annoying. Plus Dokken just came back from the dead. And needless to say, Laura is currently the Wolverine as well. So I'm not, I'm not feeling that, but we'll, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll hold my complaints until I see if that's, if they're valid or not. Um, I have to say the, the Rivik, pages that you I, I think Ribic is a wonderful illustrator but I think from a storytelling standpoint I thought he really botched that page Vince you know in this page you've got you've got it's it's three panels you've got um, you've got the 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 frost giant talking mm-hmm. to someone the person that presumably came out of the cab of the 18 wheeler then the bottom page the bottom panel is uh, Logan clenching his fists in his classic white t-shirt and you can't see his face because he's looking down, but you see the hat and the middle panel, the wording, I give Aaron all the credit in the world. The, the frost giant says, you hear me human, you're dead. And then the person says, nah. And then the final where it is not more, not no more. I ain't all totally cool. All within the realm of, within the realm of how, how Logan should come back. But where I think he fails is that in the middle panel, he has, 
the Frost Giant saying, you hear me, human, you're dead, and he shows us Logan. He shows us the guy standing there. Sure, his face is, is, is in the shadows, but it's, it's fucking Logan. Who wouldn't know that that's Logan? Right. So I, I think it would well, have been. Well, you can tell from the cowboy boot, but yeah. Yes, but 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 it totally depowers the reveal yes. of the third panel. Sure, so, it renders it useless. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So 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 a, a true storytelling would have been to not show us to to let it build, and then we see it's Logan. Like, oh shit, it is Logan. You know, I don't know. So I just thought, like, to me, I thought Ribic, like as a as a as a as a draftsman, he's ridiculous, but. As a storyteller, I'm, I'm not sure he hit it there for me. But, um, but Oh, no, maybe Ribic didn't draw this page. He didn't no, draw he the didn't. next page. No. Well, though, no, Ribic... Um, oh, you don't think he drew the page with the... Uh, no, it's not. It's totally... It's not uh, It's not painted. It's like... Oh, like yes, yeah, but that's what I'm saying, though. And, yeah, so you have, instead of instead of Ribic just drawing all the Odenheimer or, or all the right. pages, it's like they, they, they handed pages off. But the um, any other page I was looking at, which also is is McNiven, uh, when Ghost Rider and Starbrand are fighting, they're, um, they're fighting through a town in a, a, a suburb in South Africa, and there's a at the top panel uh starbrand is is uh firing down on on ghost rider and there's a van in the foreground of the panel and the driver is aware that something is going crazy behind him and there's a a bystander in the background then the next panel you see the van in the background of the panel burning rubber to get out of there and that's one of those things where i don't know if aaron gave direction where it's like okay so there's somebody driving a van and in the next panel though the dude's got to beat feet out of there or if 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 that's mcdiven going well if the driver's here and he's going to get the hell out of dodge it's just one of those things where i mean he could have mm-hmm. just not decided to draw the van and, and close up on on the fight or something and it's just that's that's one of those things where it's like that's i I appreciate that. I, 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 somebody who's actually paying attention. Obviously, it's one panel right below it, mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. not like he's turning the page and forgot something. But um, I was hoping it may have been a ribic page to at least kind of give him, give him the, but kind of bring him back to to let everybody know. No, he he does know what he's doing most times. But no, you're you're I, even even when you know the. Secret Wars. There, there were some panels and and pages that were just a little off. They didn't, they, they didn't give the. Uh, well, it's like we've been talking about with metal. It's like the 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 art is not servicing the story as well as it could be. Yeah, yeah. So, well, that was my in your travels too. So we'll just we'll ca- we'll call it in, in your travels. Yes, I, I will say it's not comic related in any way, but it is germane to our main topic tonight, which is that. Uh, Ken Burns' the Vietnam War documentary has been airing um, this, this past week, uh, every night, and uh, it's it's incredible. Not not no surprise. Ken Burns is arguably the greatest documentarian of our lives. But but uh, but whereas I've enjoyed his other stuff, uh, I guess having parents who were Vietnam vets that that I'm finding this to be quite engrossing. It's a little bit more personal than the Civil War. 
<laughs> yeah, a little something sound. A little something sound. Wake up, Vince. What? Wait, wait are we done? Where are we? Are we doing? Huh? Yeah, we're done the Marvel part. You guys and, uh, killed me on that. Oh, my God. Go see Kingsman in the Golden Circle. Yes. <clears throat> you want to see it tomorrow night? I, no, we, uh, it was, it was a good time. Um, if you enjoyed Secret Service, this is more of the same, although in some case, in some instances, it's, it's a little bit more over the top, a little bit more exaggerated. Uh, not that there was a whole lot of reality-based physics in the first movie, but they, they kind of, um, turned up a little bit. To eleven, uh, but everybody is is real solid in it. I don't know if uh, if there's been talk of, of another sequel, if, if a third part is coming out. I, I don't know how well it's done in the box office, but it was uh, I, I liked it a lot, and, and there were uh, I would have liked to see some other things, but I, I thought it's it's a it's, it's a very um, it's. You should, if you haven't seen it, you should see the first movie before you see this one. There are a lot of things in it that um, rely on you. They they fill it in. You're not totally clueless as the but, but you get more out of it as long as you're 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 better rewarded if you see the first movie. Nice. It has uh, done one hundred and sixteen million. In uh, its first week, okay, globally, had a hundred million dollar budget, so very good okay. shape. All right, good, 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 good. Sweet. All right, everybody, thank you for being here with us once again. Come back next week because you know we're going to be here, and we may have some surprises for you. Mad content next week. Be we got here early next week. We've got an episode. Yep. We may or. Well, we may strong likelihood we have some video chatting. Yes, we're going to have tons of bonus content because we're all going to be together, and New York Comic Con's coming up, and we'll have some flea market finds. Yay! Shh. Hopefully, Jesus. <laughs> now that got me excited. Keep I'm tight, right, son? Up and aware. All right, everybody. Hey, like I said, be here. Lots of stuff coming down the pipe next week, and. Because, you know, if you don't come back, Salty David rears his ugly head. Lowry's. Right. Um, In the meantime, whoa, whoa, whoa. Say goodnight, David. Wow. Yeah, that legacy freaking burned me out. Sorry. (laughs) You just got me. Good night, David. Now, there is a real quick, because... Because we do love you. Oh, and, you do? Vince will, Vince will tell you to, to call me. 914-246-2102 is the number to call to leave us a voicemail. And because I know Jason wants it, if you go to our website, you will see the number there. You can just tap it, oh, call it from your phone. Nice. Or if you have a MacBook, oh, you click hot. the link. It'll launch FaceTime if you want. So you 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 just just tap it, leave us a message. You're golden. I have a MacBook. There you go. Now you can click it on. It'll say, "Do you want to call it with FaceTime?" And 
I don't know what that is. Following on that, we are at this point asking that your voicemails be two things. Short. <laughs> well, no, I'm being serious because I'm here. No, I know, honestly, I know. No, nobody, nobody but you wants to hear a five minute voicemail from from you. Just being truthful. <laughs> I wouldn't no. say nobody. No, but... no, no, no. We got to be keeping real. The, uh, the reason no, okay. the voicemails go away on a lot of shows, ours included, is because people get too long with them, and we don't. We feel bad. We don't want to take the time or, or energy to edit them, and so keep them short and sweet. We quick hitting, right? And uh, and then secondarily, the the main reason we're bringing the voicemail back right now is as a test where the messages are primarily geared towards our episode 500 upcoming up. Not saying that you can't leave a voicemail about something else right now, but that is pr- the primary focus. Uh, but we have, we ha- you know, we are open to keeping the voicemail as a new, old, ongoing thing, depending on how it goes over the next few weeks. So behave, yes, and you can have nice things. And and just adding to that, since it was just two things, the 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 voicemails are being peppered in after. We record. We're not playing voicemails live. We're not listening to voicemails and 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 responding to them in any way. We're just Vince is going to add them to the episode as as he sees as he deems fit to do. Because that may that that may play in how some messages are left. It's a plan, right? Right. I love it when a plan comes together. We're, we're not answering questions, right? Hey, everybody, we love you so much. Get your asses back here. We did the say goodnight. Uh, Tell them goodbye. Go buy Fury Max if you haven't. Yeah. I haven't, so I will. Yes, we will. Comics.com. Yes, the Patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics. Got the threadless. Well, 11 o'clock comics dot threadless dot com. Right. And uh, Facebook group, 11 o'clock comics Facebook. And folks, please, 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 if you are not a member of the group, we'd love to have you, but you need to answer three very simple comics related questions when you apply. If you don't answer the questions, we're not going to accept you. Well, you got to whisper yeah. that. You should say that up front, nice and tight. We're not going to accept you if you don't answer the questions because you're probably a bot or a creep. <laughs> or just lazy. Well, I don't see why you would click on a join and not answer three questions. You don't really want to join, i.e. you're a bot or a creep. And I must admit, there have been a few people that have answered the questions that get denied. Yeah. Because of the way you answer the questions. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them are funny. Some of them are very funny. Fuck it. All right. We're out of here for real this time. I'm not kidding around. Listen to the music. Come back next week because we love you.